you've been chasing your monsters and they've been driving you bonkers just blinding with rocket launchers of light to blow what they conscious if you really want to juxtapose and take a darker color with the blush of rose and then you put it in your ink and watch it go your mind is always open when your eyes are closed because you're blind to color and you're blind to greed blind to all the things that you don't need and you find a mind and then you plant a seed then you nourish it a little you're let it free it Hey everybody, it's June of 2020, and uh, from Park City, Utah, we've got the creator of DC Shoes and Hooning and Racing, Ken Block, on the show today. Ken, thanks for inviting us into the shop here. This place is amazing, and welcome to the show. Yeah, I, you you reached out to me, and I uh, I said, damn, I don't go to Southern California, <laughs> especially Corona that much anymore. Uh, but so it's great that you guys were able to make it up here, yeah. especially since everything that's going on right now, and to have basically Supercross in my backyard, even though I can't go watch it. I know. Isn't that so weird? But it's right having Ricky and Kenny and everybody and Chad, everybody in town right now. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen you've connected with a lot of those guys and sponsored them, I'm sure, with DC Shoes back in the day, and so a lot of good relationships there, huh? Yeah, and it's funny, you know, Davey reached out to me right before it was announced, and I'm like, sweet, so you're coming out. He's like, nope, because <laughs> he didn't want to yeah. deal with all the, the crap of yeah. getting in and out and oh, all that sort of stuff. super weird. Yeah, it's so super he stayed weird. home. Well, we're excited to go through your story with you. I'm David Pingree, the host, as always, with me, GL, our co-host. Welcome in, buddy. Thank you. And Donnie Bales, our producer. Uh, we got a, a, a action-packed trip. We've been out riding this morning. We got mountain bike rides planned tomorrow and another show, so we're full throttle. Uh, but we're stoked to get into your show here. Hey, um, being here is just in this shop is just unreal. You can watch it on camera all you want, but just seeing everything here is just another level. Yeah, we're going to try to do a quick little phone tour or something if Ken will let us, and we'll put that on the site so you can see it. It's just, I've never seen anything like it. I like it. the creativity. I've been obsessed with these containers. I'm like, that is <laughs> such a brilliant idea, man. I love it. Dude, I want to live in here. That's, what, that's what my wife and kids say all the time. Who wouldn't? Do? I want to live in here. Look at the size of that bar area. I mean, I'd be happy for a while. Yeah, yeah it's a bigger kitchen than we have at home. Yeah. So my wife always jokes that she wants to come live here. And that countertop. Tell us real quick about that countertop. It's super cool. Uh, it's used skateboard. So there's some guys in the Midwest that go around all the skate shops and buy up or get like the used skateboards from the kids and then actually make tile out of it. So, you got to see this. We'll show you. It's, yeah, it's, it's super cool. I, the thing is, I might not have known it if you hadn't pointed that out. I was like, I don't know what these well, tiles are. I kept looking, and I got drawn in because each one is different. So I kept getting drawn in. And eventually, I'm like, Can't, who makes these yeah. tiles? He's like, dude, skateboard dick. Well, we had a fun time brainstorming all the ideas to make this place. And I believe From it. reusable sort of uh, recycling type messaging, you know, bamboo, used shipping containers, uh, to use skateboards, and kind of bringing all the different things that have kind of made up my crazy life into one place and make it creative. Like I work with a great team of people to do a lot of creative projects and uh, this place helps us be inspired. Sure. Yeah. Hey, you know what I was excited about? In the bathroom, you wave your hands over the sensor for the sink and it actually works the first time. Yeah. <laughs> you don't wow. have to like flag something down to get it to work. Well, uh, I, if, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the toilet's all stainless steel and like Aluminum, it's badass. I'm like... Fancy air dryers this, for hands. This toilet's the coolest thing I've seen. 
Anyway, this place is rad. We'll give you a little tour of it. I'm kind of insulted by the toilet concept. Uh, the I mean, toilet's badass. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just showed you a car with 1,400 but, horsepower. But, but even, but even when I'm just saying, when, when you're <laughs> impressed with the toilet, <laughs> Uh, that that just speaks to how amazing everything else. That's is. the beginning level. That's, even yeah. when you yeah. go in, even the toilet, the toilet is yeah. cool. But the the decal on the outside is is a race car drive with a helmet. I'm like, oh yeah, this is where the dudes go. You, the ladies. I, I, I didn't different. mean I didn't mean it's the coolest thing in the shower. I just mean when even your toilet is cool, you've crossed all your T's and dotted all your I's. That's what I'm trying to say. I got you. There's nothing in here not cool. Uh, anyway. Except right. for us, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm stinky yeah. and sweaty. I've been riding all morning, so I apologize if there's a bo rolling your way. I want to hey, thank I'm our sponsors. I'm just jealous. I didn't get to ride this morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're under contract. You got to stay safe. I can get hurt and, you know, it's okay. Uh, I want to thank Yamaha, uh, our sponsors that bring you guys this show. Uh, couldn't happen without those guys. Leader in the power sports industry. Amazing products. Winner of every shootout the last at least three or four years in the 250 and 450 class. Uh, these guys are killing it. Uh, you can almost guarantee the guys are going to pull a whole shot in the 250 class on one of those star Yamaha bikes. They're awesome. Check those guys out. PowerDot, if you have a, uh, any kind of injury, maybe you had a surgery, maybe you just can't get to your masseuse because those still aren't open yet, check out PowerDot. This thing's got um, all kinds of features uh, from injury rehabilitation, injury maintenance, injury management, uh, and just massage. So they're awesome. 20% off using our code Whiskey Throttle. Big thank you to Method Race Wheels. They're bringing you our front-end chatter. Again, 20% off using the code Whiskey Throttle. Troy Lee Designs bringing you our timeout today. SK, SKDA Graphics bringing you our, Q, our Get At Me Q&A. 20% off still on our uh, Whiskey Throttle Show graphics over there. Uh, big thank you to Adidas. Don't be a dick to your feet, we like to say. Uh, get yourself into some good shoes. Pro Circuit, we actually just saw Mitch Payton down at the track we were riding at, and he was just fishing off the bridge. Uh, I guess he's been there all week. Uh, and he's caught one fish. So not a lot of luck there, but he does make fast motorcycles. So if you need to get your bike handling or running better, check those guys out. Dunlop Tires, big thank you to them. Uh, they're just the leader in the industry. Nihilo Concepts, get a free gift over there using the code Whiskey Throttle with any purchase. Fire Department Coffee, uh, again, brand new Skull Crushing Espresso out. So big thank you to those guys. Uh, again, 20% off using our code. 10% of their net proceeds going to injured firefighters. So uh, do a good thing. You're going to drink coffee anyway. Uh, make it for a good cause. Uh, seat Concepts, big thanks to those guys also. Amazing saddles if you're looking for something uh, better than what comes on your bike. Specialized bicycles. Uh, we may have to post some of Ken's bikes. He's got some rad-looking specialized. Troy Lee Designs, uh, painted a couple of them. Uh, sweet bikes. Uh, and OGO. Those guys just make the best bags there is, period. So if you're looking for something, backpack, hydration, pack, gear bag, roller bag, whatever. They've got you covered. Uh, so thanks to all those guys. Let's get into our front-end chatter from Method Race Wheels. The lightest, strongest, fastest wheels in off-road for your truck, SUV, Sprinter, or UTV. Uh, Ken, I wanted to, this is, we just sort of, this is a little off the cuff, kind of industry stuff or whatever. In the 90s, skating shoe companies were everywhere. Uh, I mean, Etnies, DC, Vans, Globe, Airwalk, you DVS. DVS. I mean, everybody, that was like the coolest thing is to have a shoe company. But I feel like that's kind of fizzled now. You don't see it so much anymore. Well, I mean, the, everything in those markets has changed mainly because of the internet. You know, so it, it, in the early 90s, things were a lot, lot simpler. Yeah. And even as action sports grew, a lot of those companies that you named actually came in kind of after we did. Uh, when we started, it was literally only... Etnies, Airwalk, and Vans, 
you know, basically. So from America to DVS kind of all came in that big boom as X Games uh, got big and action sports just grew. And then, you know, everyone started with shoe companies going in and sponsoring everything from snowboarding to motocross. Mm -hmm. So it was a really cool time. Like, I, I feel really blessed that I started out doing everything that I did in the early 90s, and I was a big part of that that huge growth, you know, from watching Tony do, you know, a 900 to Travis yeah. doing the double backflips. That was just such a cool thing to be a part of. You guys were connected to so many athletes. Jeremy was one of your guys, if I remember mm -hmm. right. Yeah. I mean, RC. Yep. RC, yeah. So to just to be able, like you said, to be able to root for those guys and be like, yeah, that's our guy. I mean, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, and, you know, like, I, I was lucky to be able to work with some of the greatest skateboarders in the world, from Danny Way to Rob Deerdick and then snowboarders. But, like, I, I grew up riding dirt bikes. So when we got into motocross, it was it was just a really fun thing for me because there was a a, a love for all the other sports. But yeah. really, for me, there was a, a, a genuine love for uh, going out and being on a dirt bike, too. Yeah. So, you know, I remember going to... Uh, you know, supercrosses and watching Jeremy and like the height of that fandom and the stardom was insane. Yeah. Mm. And then eventually have him, you know, on our race team along with Ricky and Rhino. Uh, it was just, you know, it was amazing. Yeah. Do you feel like um, our action sports kind of on the decline? Like you watch X Games and it's very different now than what it was in, the, in its heyday. So to have, you know, and this happens, I think, in all, all sports where something gets cool and everybody, all these other brands pop up and then just through attrition, the other ones kind of go away and sort of the major brands still stay. But is that what we're seeing? Uh, from the, all the data I know, nothing is declining. Um, what really happened was like when I was growing up in the eighties, like there was just stick and ball sports. Right. Yeah. And then the alternative was like skiing and then surfing and, but then skateboarding and you know snowboarding, all these things started getting more popular and got coined the name action sports. Yeah. And you know, in these couple of decades, we've watched this go from very niche small things to explode and then be part of mainstream skateboarding, snowboarding, motocross, freestyle motocross. Thirty years ago, freestyle motocross was nothing; like yeah. and nobody would have yeah. even known. But now, today. Travis Pastrana's name is a household name. Yeah. Well, so it's it's just that not that things have declined. It's that things have become normal. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and kids today, like when I was growing up, like you were you either played baseball or football. Like you know. Yeah. yeah. And nowadays, kids are like, Nah, I want to skateboard this afternoon. I'm going to be a mix tonight, and then I have a a baseball game that I'm playing in. You know, tonight. You know. And, and that's I think that's rad. The one little trend that I don't like is there's a lot of kids that go on, eh. I'm just going to stay inside and play video games or yeah. I'm going to play, yeah. I'm going to skateboard on this Tony Hawk game. Right. You know what I mean? Like I don't, that sucks. I don't care what you're doing. I like kids to get out. I tell my kids, just get the hell yeah. out of the house. Yeah. Go ride your bikes. Go, I don't care. Go yeah. do something. I think things were going in the, in that wrong direction for a bit, but through this whole pandemic, I don't think I've seen as many people and kids and adults walking dogs and just people out and about. The minute they said, stay at your home, <laughs> everyone went yeah. out and started doing things. Well, I, I, you know, the funny thing is I love video games. I've been playing them since I was a kid. I love electronics. I love damn phone and <laughs> iPad and everything. And I love the accessibility to everything around the world. But you have to have a balance. Yeah, sure. Like, if, if that's all you do, like, I, 
I just don't think it's good for you. I yeah. think I think today we're so much smarter about how to train and how to get out and exercise and how yeah. to enjoy the world that I, I think it's better to find the right balance. But really, I push as much as possible to get outside, get my yeah. get my kids outside, and and go do things to enjoy the physical side of life. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I, I don't love yeah, it. I, I mean, we all do. I, I, I'm a math, the only game I really play is Mad Skills Motocross. But sometimes I'm like, I play. Yeah. Oh, what should I do? Or, or if I'm on the on the stainless steel toilet back there for a while, I'll be, you know, going. <laughs> well, but. one of my favorite games is like dirt, you know, the dirt games, one, two, mm. three. So I've always loved racing games. So that's my kind of little thing, whether it's F1, MotoGP. I like the car games. They're better than motorcycle games. But what, what I wanted to ask you when we were talking about the extreme sport and how it's maybe changed a lot over the years, do you feel like I, when I first, the first time I went to X Games was just to watch when I first moved here, I felt like there was a lot of it was um, appealing to getting a live audience, to getting people there and getting the feel. And then I felt like as the years went on, it was more about TV and they didn't care so much to have fans or they'd have one little grandstand there just to have someone in the background. Am I right or wrong on this one? I mean, do you think what, maybe that what, had something to do with it? It became more convenient to The couple to watch of years it? I did Supermoto at that, we were an a- the, the athletes were like fans, and the athletes were kind of an afterthought. It was all about TV. You know what I mean? Not that they don't take it. The purse was good. They, they treated you good, but the TV was it. And, and, and you all the other stuff just fit into those TV schedules. Right, so. Well, I think that's a part of life, though, because as these have become more popular and people stream so much more and you have so much more opportunity to watch what you want to watch. The, the attendance of events has just gone down mm-hmm. and down. If you watch certain events like, you know, oval track racing where they've built these stadiums that fit 90,000 people, but only 20,000 are showing yeah. up mm-hmm. now. It just really shows that that entertainment level of what, people want to see and how they want to digest it is just different than 30 or 40 yeah. years ago and that old model crap i mean think how many baseball stadiums there are built around this country that like just aren't used the same way that they no. were used decades ago and but that's just the, the reality of us as humans developing this technology and then consuming things the way that we want now it, the funny thing to me is I love the benefit of it that when I was a kid and I loved rally racing, I couldn't watch it. Yeah, it was so like, hard. I, it's, it's like uh, we were lucky if they put something like on ABC Wide World of Sports. Like, well, they motocross have a little is, segment. Motocross is yeah. no different. When I was yeah. a kid, it was Cycle News two weeks later. Yeah. You know. Right. But nowadays you can like you can search one two words, rally yeah. racing, yeah. and see thousands of videos and be able to select exactly what you want or watch a race from Switzerland. It yeah. doesn't matter what yeah. country you're in yeah. as long as you know what's being fed to you is and everything, how to watch it. Is everything super disposable now too where fans want to look at something for two minutes and then move on to something else? Yeah, it kind of depends. There, There is certain elements of that to where uh, you, you see fans come in and maybe digest short term, but like YouTube pushes a lot the longer uh, episodic type content, which it the consumers do consume. So I really think that there's, there's like all different sorts of ways that people want to consume stuff. And even for us, like at Hoonigan, we do 30 second stuff, five minute stuff, 15 minute stuff, and then live events that are two hours. So it's, it's really giving the the consumer the opportunity to watch it the way that they want to be entertained. Well, I I really want to pick your brain a lot because as I was going through prepping for your show, it kind of hit me like, I don't know if you're a marketing genius or you have the right people around you, but you're, you've been like 
on another level with marketing from day from the time DC started to today. Um, you're, you're way out in front of stuff. And so that's why I want to pick your brain a little bit. Do you think talking about media and the way things are changing, there's been talk of like, well, maybe Supercross will go to this where they do multiple events in a shorter period of time. Think how much cheaper it would be for Feld to like just rent one stadium, do two or three races in a week's time, then go to another city, do the same thing. If you're not so much worried about the fans coming in, if a TV is the, is the big draw, you could save a ton of money from moving it around. The riders save time and money. Your season could shorten way up, which has been a big concern of teams for a long time. Is that something we maybe see, like the format kind of change? I mean, it's definitely possible. We've seen, well, at least I have visually seen, like Anaheim 1, that maybe it's not as full as it used to be 10, 15 years ago. You know, and it, maybe that's a solution for them. I, I don't really know all the background of their numbers and things. But, I mean, it, it's stuff like that to where a lot of companies are thinking sort of differently about how they can mold in their sport to like how the consumers are consuming well, things. Times today. are always changing. And if you stand still, that old saying, you'll be gone by the wayside. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I got to imagine they got to at least entertain all the different ideas and see what the yeah. vibe is. And they'll sell a race out here and there. But to your point, you know, they took out, I think, 30,000 seats out of Angel Stadium where the mm. waterfall is. That was all seating. And I think early 90s it went from 74,000 to 44 45,000 yeah and they well, used to sell that sucker out and so now there's it rarely sells out yeah at only that many seats yeah right? so. i know that a lot of those stadiums i've talked to a couple different promoters and different people they've actually and i've been to the new stadium in uh in vegas where they do a lot of the ufc uh -huh. fights uh and they've there's less seats but they've done a better job with the seats and they've done a better job with being able to get your burger and your beer. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, it's yeah. a more luxury experience going there. Just so go to the AT&T Stadium. That, in Dallas, that say. place is another level of a stadium. You yeah. go in there and it's gorgeous. Yeah, the, the old model of like, I, I'm always shocked because we're spoiled. We usually are sitting in a press box or a, a suite, right? Being in the industry. But if you go to sit in regular seating, I mean, it, those seats are little, man. And you're <laughs> you packed to, and in you, like and cordwood. You, and a bigger guy has to stand up just for you to go by. And, yeah. And you're like, sorry, 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 sorry. So Come maybe back that, with your food. Sorry, 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 sorry. Maybe that is the way, like you're saying. It's If you're going to go, maybe the tickets are a little more, but it is a little bit more of a uh, uh, luxe environment. Yeah, a more VIP of a... experience. Yeah, exactly. And, and I know back when I lived in California, there was a theater near me that was like, couches and vip service yes, in yes. a theater that was it, it was selling out because if you're going to go spend the time I, yeah, I would spend a little more money to have a better yeah. experience yeah for sure know? and they bring you booze <laughs> Gio, as long as they got vodka Gio, he's <laughs> in you got tito's here everything's good i'm telling you that's the only way to go watch movies <laughs> yeah. with a bottle of vodka no no they just bring it to you just wave your hand it's great you get the food and everything uh, all right. Well, that's our Method Race Wheels front-end chatter. Get over to WhiskeyThrottleShow.com. Check out uh, the shows we've got posted. Uh, we've got some cool content. We'll try to get a tour of the shop here. But all of our guests, we've got photos you've never seen before, cool little video content. So check that out. Uh, and you can pick up our merchandise there as well, like this Race Team tee. Uh, and also, Mad Skills Motocross 3 is out. Download it and play it. It's great. Uh, okay, let's get to you. Let's get to your story. Long Beach. You're from the LBC. What was it like growing up there as a kid? Uh, you know what? It was uh, it was an experience. No, it was good. Um, 
weird random story like my parents actually met in detroit so it's actually cool for me to work with companies now in detroit because that's where my family's from um and my mom and dad had met there and they moved to long beach and bought a house and it was west of the sorry east of the 405 uh, by just like a block, but they bought it for eleven thousand dollars or twelve thousand dollars back in like the fifties. Jeez, man! So I have three older siblings that all grew up more in the seventies, and then I grew up in the eighties. Um, and it, it was. It, How old are you? Fifty-two. Fifty-two. Did you go to Milliken? No, I was right down the street from Milliken. I actually went to a small Catholic elementary mm. school, which is super strange. Um, <laughs> but that my parents were dedicated Catholics when I was a kid. Um, and then eventually they decided they, my dad had sold his business and they wanted to own an avocado grove. So I ended up down in Valley center, which is North San Diego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's when I was like, okay, you moved me to the country. Like now you have to buy me a dirt bike. Like, like I skateboarded and rode BMX bikes uh, when I was a kid. Cause I lived in the streets. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. normal neighborhood, but now I'd lived in the country and I was like, I, it's time for you to buy me a dirt bike. And they weren't happy about that. They so, didn't want to do that. So even back then, you weren't like a traditional sports kid. You liked skating. Uh, like, did you I surf? grew up playing baseball, and I and I went to. I've been to many, many Dodger games. Okay. Uh, because my dad was a baseball guy, and I loved it when I was a kid, but I I didn't like team sports that much. I just didn't, especially because at one point I was on a really good team. We went on to win. Uh, you know, a championship, and then the year after that, I went to high school and then tried to get on like the the freshman team, and it was basically who could kiss the coach's ass yeah. the best to get on. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go back to skateboarding and and riding my dirt bike," you know. Mm-hmm. And so I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed both elements of the team sport and the individual sport, but I find that I like the creativity and individuality of. You know, things where it's on you, the pressure's on you, and that's it, you know? I th- so, and I wonder, if, is that the, is that's a personality trait? I think of all the people that are in these sports, action say, sports. It probably speaks for all of us. In yeah, you, you like kind of shouldering the, um, like, like you said, all the pressure's on you. You do good or you do bad, it's on you. Yeah. Um, because on a team, while sometimes, like you said, it can be great, it can also be really frustrating. You might be playing awesome yourself. But if your team sucks, you're yeah. losing every game. Yeah, well, it's not even that they suck. It's that they may don't put in the same effort as you do. Right. That's where I had issues. You guys, professional motocross, if you didn't train, you weren't performing well on the weekend. It's yeah. on you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's, no one to blame. Right, yeah. exactly. It all comes back to you. So, you know, you make your own luck, yeah, to a certain extent, but especially with individual sports, the the pressure to perform, the pressure to train, the pressure to make yourself better and put the entire package together, it's on your shoulders. Yeah. Of course, there's always a great team behind sure, putting sure, the bike sure. together, getting yeah. everybody there, working on team tactics. But at the end of the day, if you're not prepared, the yeah. buck stops with you. Yep. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm torn. One thing that drives me bananas, it's been like this for a while. When riders are on the podium, they say, yeah, we've been working really hard. You know, we had a good night. And I, I, I get it, right? Like, you want to credit your team and your, your trainer and your manager and all that. But something about that rubs me wrong. You know, it's like, well, you were out there riding the bike. I mean, you had a nice, a good night. You know, you can thank your crew and team. I think it's just become 
That's way, become the normal now. Yeah, we, we, we. <laughs> yeah, I we. said we, I said when I raced the Parker 250, I said we, we did a good, we had a good race. And he's like, we, and I'm like, I had a co-driver, dude. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> but you yelled at me at first. Yeah, and yell then, yeah you yelled at me. And I'm like, I have about a co-driver. Uh, is, it, is it the royal we? Or are you saying like, we had a great, I mean, what is it? I don't know. I think they're trying to. Make I feel. We, feel I like actually weirded. feel I the same as you do. I feel the same. I know. As you I just do. think, man, when you suck, do you go, "Yeah, we sucked." <laughs> uh, we all. We, we, all, we had a bad night. No, like everybody struggled today. <laughs> Truly, it's like, no, nah, I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't get it done today. You got to blame somebody. Else. No, I, he sucked. I was doing good, but <laughs> well, they, he well, didn't they suck. do indirectly. <laughs> they do indirectly. It's like, well, my bike was kicking a little bit, or I just couldn't get over yeah. that jump out of the corner. Hey, that being said, so a question for. All three of you, it's like when you have something that's gone wrong, technically that wasn't your fault, do you go back and yell at that guy? What happens? I think every situation's a little different, but if it's happened over and over and it's negligence, then yes. Yeah, I, I, if I've it's a freak deal, you just, I usually would just try and get to the bottom of it. Like, how do we prevent this from happening again? Yeah. That was my first thought. Yeah, for me, it's always a learning experience. I look at every day in the car, and what we're doing as a team is. A learning experience and always trying to better myself and better the team so if there is a problem it's like okay how did this happen how do we prevent yeah. it from ever yeah. happening again so some people get frustrated i think they just want to lash out immediately because of that situation but a lot of times when those guys get a cool down a little bit they realize well i was probably out of line might yeah. need to go make an yeah. apology real quick yeah, sometimes it's better to take a nice deep breath. I know, I know. <laughs> That's great advice, Ken. I wish I would have heard that 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, you weren't emotional at all on the bike, were you? <laughs> Maybe a little. Um, so your first dirt bike was what? You moved to Valley Center. What do you, you, you uh, nag your parents. What do you get? XR75. Oh, yeah. And then went from that to like an RM80, then a KX80, then a KX125. Yeah, I raced at Barona Oaks and Car I raced at Carlsbad Raceway before it closed. My first concu concussion. Carlsbad, Carlsbad Raceway. <laughs> you don't have to go down hard there to no. give worst you look mud. At, you look at the dirt and you get a concussion. Yeah, there. worst mud in the world. Hey, uh, so you said your parents weren't happy about getting you a dirt bike. How'd you talk them into it? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, typical kid stuff. Like I promised to do this and that, <laughs> chores, whatever. And they they were just just really against it and. Uh, I, like, I would actually get injured and then hide it. Like, I still have a scar here from, like, crashing and landing on the foot peg on my, like, side right here on my stomach. And that hurts. And, like... It should have had stitches, but I wasn't going to tell them and have oh, to go to the hospital. Right? Yeah, just bleeding through your shirt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's ketchup, mom. I'm yeah. good. Yeah, <laughs> but that but that's how much I loved it. I didn't want their fear of what I was doing to interfere with my love of what I wanted to do. Yeah. So it was cool though. Growing up in Valley Center, I can't remember the. There was like a local pro's name that rode at Carlsbad and Brona. I can't remember his name, but. He actually taught me a bunch of stuff, and we had tracks out there, and then, you know, go on the weekends and go to, go to the different tracks and race and practice. It was, it was rad. I I got to like an intermediate level, but I, I never got beyond that because I discovered girls and partying in high school and <laughs> kind of all the writing, the writing decreased from there. Sure. Unfortunately, it happens. Many yeah. a good man's gone down that road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, literally, what happened was. I, I kept having parties at my parents' house, and every time they would do that, they're like, all right, we're cutting you off, or they would threaten to cut me off. You know, because they were just helping with a little bit of money. Because back yeah. then, you needed tires, you needed fuel, yeah. you yeah. needed to get to the track in my dad's Ford truck, you know? Yeah. And so I would do stupid stuff, and they'd be like, all right, we're 
finally cutting you off from that little bit of money we're giving you and like all right well i guess i'll go do something else you know <laughs> it's just it's just you know dumb teenage stuff yeah so all right so partied a little through high school then um by the time you graduated high school you went straight to college I did one year of a, I, I was really into architecture when I was a teenager. Like I still love building design and architectural design and just, and just industrial design. So I went to a drafting school in Phoenix to, so I could basically go right into the field. Okay. And so I, I worked, uh, so I did the drafting school for a year. I was a computer aided draftsman. And then I, I got done with that and went straight into a job in Escondido, actually doing car dealerships. And so I was designing and managing the design of oh, car cool. dealerships. Okay. And then after a year of that, I'm only like now 20, 19 or 20. And I'm like, what am I doing? I went straight from high, high school into one year of school. And now I'm wearing a, a tie every day going to an office. And I was just too young to do that. And so I... Not your style. No, I just said, screw this. And I basically became a snowboard bum and lived up in June Mountain by Mammoth because Mammoth didn't allow ski, snowboarding yet, so I went to June. And then I moved to Breckenridge for two years with some friends. And uh, Ski bumming it. Were yeah. you like working a lift? Yeah. Or, no, or I was actually working in, um, in the ski shops and snowboard okay. shops. Okay. And at one point I was a snowboard instructor until I discovered that really sucked, having to try and teach people. You got to be really patient. You got to be really, I don't have that kind of patience. I still yeah. don't have that Especially kind of Especially on the patience. side of a mountain waiting. <laughs> yeah, like cold. Been, yeah. yeah. With someone that's not listening. And, uh, it was Your terrible. patience just runs out real <laughs> yeah. quick. Yeah. So anyway, I... I you like snowboarding is not for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't let's, know how to tell you. Let's this. get to the bottom and let's just wrap it up. I'm sorry, this is over for you. Let's go have a hot chocolate in there real quick and talk about all the things. Try you knitting. Yeah. So, I, but through all that though, I had good friends that from the snowboard industry and the skateboard industry, and you know, like one of the guys that I went to high school was best friends with Tony Hawk, and so I had all these industry connections. So I moved back to California, you know, North San Diego, and went back to a small junior college called Palomar College. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I met Damon Way, who ended up being my business partner all through D.C. And so you yeah. n you didn't run any businesses in Colorado. You weren't starting anything there. You were just snowboarding and working. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. So I, I I learned in Palomar College how to do. Uh, silk screening, graphic design, um, you know, graphic layout, uh, and a bit of marketing. And then I just started like making t-shirts for like Hobie Oceanside and oh, this, yeah. this shop called First Tracks in Breckenridge just for fun, right? And they're like, hey, we really like this stuff. We like what you're doing. And then that just kind of grew. And then Damon and I started a uh, a, a couple brands together then eventually we had dc but it all literally started from meeting damon in an algebra class at a junior college <laughs> and i remember some of your brands uh rhino and phil lawrence used to have drawers yeah. stuff all the time yeah, yeah i remember yeah. drawers yeah but i look at some of the other ones were uh eight ball yeah i don't remember, I remember that i remember all. that one yeah he says were you involved with xyz or gouge uh xyz was a shop okay um that a guy named uh, Tommy Cuddell and Danny Way owned together, and that was okay. in Carlsbad. So they were a big, you know, retailer of ours. Okay. You know, so so it was a good group of friends all doing rad stuff, and you know, snow, skateboarding was smaller back then, and so you know, it was all uh, you know, a great group of guys that wanted to promote us, and everything grew, and it was just a 
very cool time. But it all literally started from me learning how to do that stuff in a junior college and meeting Damon Way in an algebra class. And then we just kind of connected all the different people that we knew to do all the things that we did. So I, I know Danny was a pro skater. Was Damon also? Uh, or how did Damon you guys? Was. Okay. Uh, he's slightly older, you know, a year and a half or two years older than Danny. And he was actually uh, just as good as Danny around that time. And then he ended up getting into a fight and hitting his head like on a curb, got knocked down. And, and so he ended up with some nerve damage and, and uh, you know, muscle damage oh, that hindered him from skating, being, yeah. continuing to skate at that level. So... That's when he went back to school, and that's how I ended up meeting him. But, you know, through all his connections and Danny's connections, we just had a great group of friends that were all together that we all had this shared passion, obviously, of skateboarding and growing these businesses. So it just yeah. worked out really well. How serendipitous was that concussion, man? Like, I wonder if he looks back and goes, thank God I hit my head. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, think like that, but yeah. Yeah. Looking it, back on it, the way, the way it worked. Yeah, it's funny how, you know, things like that happen in everybody's lives. It, it's something happens and you maybe take a left turn, but yeah, maybe that left turn ends up being a good thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. So um, tell me about how you guys then transition. You, you're doing the clothing stuff. It wasn't killing it, right? It was doing okay. Well, it was doing good. Oh, it was? Yeah, we were, we were growing every year, probably doubling the business every year. And then we started D.C. And D.C. just blew up and grew so fast. And we said, okay, we'll sell off the rest of all this stuff. Like we sold dub and drawers to World Industries. Oh, dub. And yeah, that yeah. was it. I remember that. Yeah, and we had a magazine at one time called yeah. Blunt and sold that to Big Brother. And so it was, uh, you know... Luckily, we had some smart people around us and said, hey, D.C. is something really special, so you should focus on that, and that's what we did. Was it clothing at first, or was it always shoes? Uh, D.C. started off as shoes. Okay. And then grew to kind of everything yeah. else, yeah. including snowboards. You know, like that's yeah. how far it's gone. Yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was just shoes in the beginning. And, it, I mean, did anybody have an idea of, like, hey, we need to make a better skateboard shoe? Or, like, what was the – how did that concept even come up? Uh well, basically, that was uh, our concept was just yeah, just to try and improve the skateboard shoe. We thought, why does the skateboard shoe have to be, you know, a dumpy, simple thing? Why can't it be more technical? And back then is when Nike was really making very, very technical basketball shoes. Well, why can't we take performance product? Because if you can make a better thing, I mean, think about motocross boots. If the thing's just a lead weight on your foot, you're not going to ride as well. But if the thing works really well on your foot, you're going to ride better. And yeah. the same thing with skateboard shoes, basketball shoes, everything. But well, that's your one contact point with the board, too. Right. So it's very important. Right. Before, so, before DC, what was the best skate shoe? A Vans, like a, you know, slip-on? I mean, what, what were you guys what Yeah, were you guys I mean, Vans, Etnies, Airwalk, they all made variations of different things. Airwalk actually had the more technical stuff. Okay. Um, and so I think that if you were to say the best as far as performance, Airwalk was probably the best. Okay. But we just, it would, we just started doing stuff really smart and innovatively, and that's kind of what helped us take off. And, sure. What? And it was, it was a great mix of great marketing, some of the best skateboarders on the planet. Yeah, yeah. It was innovative product. A lot of good things product. coming together. Yeah. I, my question is, and I'm not trying to sound too personal, but obviously – it has to take some capital and some money to build these things. Were, were you guys 
just pooling in your own money or yeah, well, did the, some come the, in with more money and, and the, other did sweat equity or whatever? Yeah, the original business started with a $10,000 loan from my parents that I, I eventually paid back. And then Damon brought in some money. And then we were, we were just not taking any money out. Yeah. So any profits that we were making, we were just turning back into the company. And then we had a couple of distributors like a a Japanese distributor uh, named Charlie that basically would give us like a $100,000 order and then give us all the money up front. So we'd have six months to, to use his money to go make all this product and then the profit off of that, we would just roll into more mm. business. So it was, it really is the American dream. It was a couple of kids. Yeah, no joke. Learned at a junior college, just worked our asses off and, and grew it the best that we could and surrounded ourselves with the best people that we could and and grew it. And How did you go about like R&D? Were you like getting skateboarders to come in and give feedback? I mean, were you guys kind of doing that? I or? mean, we were all skating at the time, but I, you know, the guys that worked with us were some of the top skateboarders in the world and we'd give them a product here tell us what's wrong with it and they would come back and say let's change this and that and and tell us feedback too like you know like can we improve the leather and so we would go i don't know can we so we'd go find you know stronger leather because it actually existed but no one had ever asked that question before so we had varying degrees of like toughness of leather so it was just stuff like that that we were able to look at the market and just think smartly about what we're doing and make a better product. And, and again, comes back to marketing. I just feel like DC always did a great job with marketing. Who was that? Who was the guy? Well, I thank mean, you. <laughs> I mean, is it you? Uh, I, I always, I directed all the marketing till about, I don't know, 2008. Um, so I, I did all the basic stuff from laying out all the ad, early ads and, and then once we actually had staff, I directed most all that stuff or hired good people to come in and do, do all that stuff. You. But a lot of that was our vision from Damon and myself coming from skateboarding, even as we went into motocross. I don't know if you remember, our ads just look different than I was going to say, they, they were usually like the first or second yeah. page, two page, and it was simple but clean. Yeah. Well, also, too, back in the day, it's like the manufacturers wanted these tight shots of the guys in the air because you, they wanted to see the Kawasaki logo or whatever. And we're like, nah, step back yeah, you 50 guys would, feet. You'd pan way back and it was like a whole scene. Yeah, yeah. show how dramatic it is. Yeah. Ricky doing this crazy whip I remember that over, a, you know, like a gap at Steel City. You yeah. know, like, and we just showcased the art of what it is, how gnarly all the writers and what they're doing. And I think it just struck a chord of, you know, in every sport that we stepped into that we could have that look in and be able to present it in a, a better way that resonated with the consumer as opposed to just doing the same thing over and over that everybody was doing. Were you, did, were you a surfer at all or did Damon surf? Like, cause I, I feel like one of the things you guys did well, you rode, you snowboarded, you yeah. skated, you know, there was a I don't connection. Know if you surfed, but you, you knew the sports intimately. Yeah you understood like how gnarly they were and you knew what looked cool. Not just a guy doing a wheelie or something, but like Ricky pancaked off a triple, you know, you yeah. know, like that's ridiculous. Yeah. We need to pay, we need to show this and like, you know what I mean? You understood how to, how to market that. Yeah. I, th I think it was very important that Damon and I were active and went out and did all these things and grew up doing these things. Um, but we also took a lot of lessons 
you know, from skateboarding that we just applied not only to, to making our own marketing and be very unique in skateboarding, but also go out and apply that that mentality to these other sports. Mm. And that's why when we came into motocross, we just looked like someone completely different and on a different level. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I really have to credit that mentality of coming from skateboarding. It's really the idea of of looking at things just differently, looking at it with an open mind and being creative. And I, I, to this day, I still thank skateboarding in general for yeah. that mentality that I got out of it as a kid. That's awesome. Well, DC started in 94, 95, right? Yep. Somewhere in there. Yeah. By the end of 95, you guys were making $7 million a year. Yeah, something like that. I, I mean, mean <coughs> I think it was seven million in sales. Yeah, okay, for the but, product. Yeah, but for that's, you still weren't that old at this time, right? Mid twenties. Yeah, mid twenties. Yeah. I mean, were you guys looking at each other going, "Holy shit"? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> look what we did. <laughs> was there a time that you went, "I cannot believe what we're doing right now"? Like, oh, yeah. that's actually panning out. I mean, did you have expectations at that point? No, and I, that's why I said earlier, it's like this is the American dream. Like we. We started off doing this at a very basic level, and it grew and grew. But yeah, once DC started to take off, it's like, holy crap, we're actually now doing really proper business. And it was going like $7 million one year, 14 the next year, 30 the next year. It Exponential just, growth. It was yeah. just growing yeah. like that, you know? And, and it was, it Did was amazing. Did you finally start taking a paycheck? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah once, it, once it made sense, you know? Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, th those days it was just very cool that, like, you know, we had people like the Beastie Boys to Adam Sandler wearing our stuff. Yeah. And you, know? you could go to all the yeah. coolest events and see all the coolest stuff at that time with your shoe involved with it. Yep. Yep. And it, it was, like I said, it was just a, a really cool thing to be a part of even in those days, watching these sports grow, watching guys like... You know, Danny and Deerdick grow to what they were, to where Deerdick has huge TV shows on MTV. Yep. And, and you know, even working with someone like Ricky and Travis and seeing Travis, you know, do the yeah. double backflip live at, at the X Games. It was just an incredible ride. Yeah. Did Rob design some shoes for you guys too, I heard? Or something? Uh, yeah, Rob was actually really influential in the company. He was one of my best friends at the time. Still is one of my best friends. I just don't quite see him as often as I used to, but... He helped me a lot with marketing. He helped me a lot with uh, different writers. He designed a bunch of different, you know, shoes for us and had his own line. Yeah, and his own signatures. He was just instrumental and in, in a part of DC. He's always been DC'd out. I mean, on his show, it's he's always got something on. Yeah. Was he an investor? Did he have? No, he was no? just just a really good friend. Yeah. Like just one of the skateboarders that. Not only that, I clicked with as like a human. Um, yeah. But he saw and understood business and marketing. Yeah. So some guys, you know, walk in and I want, I want $10 to go do this. I'm, I'm the best ever. Give me, I want to be sponsored. But they don't understand what we need in return as a company. Whereas Dyrdek's like, okay, what do you need me to do? They, you know, like, yeah. I need to go shoot an ad. Okay, I'm going to shoot the best photo. I got blades. We're going to go do this. You know, mm -hmm. he just understood that and how to connect everything together to make the business work. And I mean, you, you see it today, like he's one of the most successful probably athletes ever from action sports. If you look at dollar for dollar amount because of where he's ended up with yeah. giant contracts from yeah. MTV and everything he's done, but it's, it's because how, just how smart he is.
So and, it, and that show is pretty freaking hilarious. Yeah, all the shows oh are best. Everything from Robin Big to ridiculousness. He's yeah. made some incredible content. Who's the who is a couple of people that you've met or like, you know, you said the Beastie Boys are wearing your stuff or Adam Sandler. Was there any moment or any person you met or someone that's like wearing your stuff or wanting your stuff? And you're like, wow, caught you off guard. Yeah. Outside of our industry. Um, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, you know, we've worked with so many different people. It's been so cool that like... But I, I I remember how big Lincoln Park was at one time, mm -hmm. and like Mike had reached out and said he wanted stuff from us, and it it was moments like that that just really made things like feel a little bit different because yeah. we at that time we were so big in skateboarding, and you know we were working hard to represent skateboarding and make the shoes and everything as cool as it could possibly be, and then when these outside people from you know the Beastie Boys, you know to Mike Shinoda would come and be like, we want a part of that. We want to, we want to work with you guys, you know? And Mike was just such a talented guy, is a talented guy, I should say. And to where he made all the art that went on the box and then the insole, he, we had a whole signature thing with him that was just super rad because he brought so much talent to yeah. the project yeah. that it made it really fun for us. That's cool. So looking down, like you were mentioned, by the end of 95, you guys, 7 million in sales. By 2060 million in sales in five years. Mm. Uh, in 04, you guys ended up selling it to Quicksilver for 87 million bucks. Again, did you and Damon look at each other and you just go, holy shit? Like when they slid that offer across the table? Uh, yeah, it would, I mean, it was really, really wild. Uh, and we'd, we'd gone through some rough times with an old business partner and, uh, by that time too, we'd set up things like if we ever sold the, the the employees got ten percent of the proceeds and oh, that's cool. Yeah, we'd done a lot of stuff like that, so it it was just one of those things that you know we would like to have kept going and doing what we were doing, but someone offers it and you can take all these chips off the table, you know. It's like ah, and your yeah. timing your timing might not have been any better as well. Uh, yeah, and, and I mean we could debate that, but I think shortly after that, I mean the things changed after the recession. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a couple of years later. Um, but yeah, I mean even Quicksilver themselves. Oh yeah, were, yeah, were but when they eventually went bankrupt. When they bought us, it was actually a great time. Uh, we had a, a a long four or five year earnout after that, so our our deal was actually much bigger than what numbers show. Okay, um, but. Quicksilver at that time was a great company. The management was great, and we, we worked with them to go through that, that time. But, yeah, then the recession hit, and they had a bunch of problems, which is really unfortunate. But, like I said, American dream. Like, we started yeah. from meeting yeah. in, in a junior college to growing this big company, you know, making one of the coolest skateboard shoe companies in the world, yeah. and then having a, 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 a surf brand that was actually a, a Wall Street-traded company you know by us uh was yeah. just was just very very cool in well, a 10-year period i mean that is like incredible yeah well on from behalf of us if you've got any great ideas we're going to chip in five <laughs> grand each we'll loan you that 10 grand in fact you don't even have to pay it back <laughs> what's um what are the best and worst things about your time there with dc uh, I mean, the, great, the, the best times are really working with amazing people, all from, you know, employees to all the great athletes that I worked with. And 
and, and on that side for me, just being creative. Yeah. Like, you know, loving these sports and being able to go out. Like, <clears throat> I, you know, one time there was a crossover event up in Oregon, and, like, it was me and Fro and my wife Lucy and, and our team manager all jumped in a motorhome with a boat and our bikes and drove all the way up there. And going out and riding with Fro and, you know, and wakeboarding with him for two weeks. It's yeah. Incredible type stuff. So I loved all the personal experiences of working with everybody, but also the just the creativity from, you know, guys like Deerdick uh, to, you know, crazy art projects that we did for various different shoes to even having the DC Mountain Lab here in Park City. It yeah. was all just an amazing experience to be able to come up with that stuff, work you know, work with, you know, the athletes like Danny Way coming up with the mega ramp and being able to to make it happen. And, and Yeah, that was huge. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> and at the end of the day, we're doing marketing for a brand. Yeah. But to be able to do it in a cool and fun way it's that we organic. liked. You know, yeah. You're not sitting there, look at my shoe, look at my shoe. Right. It's like, look at this. And then people want the shoe. Yeah. Right. Who did yeah. we talk about recently that's like, hey, have a... I'm going to the fridge and I'm oh, getting yeah. my <laughs> Rockstar. Oh yeah, yeah. Everyone's yeah. cracking up in a cold Rockstar. Right it just <laughs> have you seen the mar they have all their athletes you have to do a post of you drinking a a drink. Yeah. Once a week. And some so guys are more creative. It's some really guys are forced, man, and it's just it's just bad marketing. That's a hard thing to do. Um was there ever any cuz I know like Matto was one of your guys, right? Mm -hmm. Were you ever at one of these events where when your guys is doing something, something like that, and he did crazy shit, where you're like genuinely scared for their life? Or the mega ramp, like the first time well, the guys Travis were at the mega too. ramp. Yeah. Travis, <laughs> I mean, there's been a few times I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to see this live on TV if oh, it dude, goes wrong. I was sweating when he did the double backflip. I watched it on TV. I'm like, oh, man. Don't go wrong. Please don't go wrong. You know, like, just let him get off clean if he doesn't pull. I remember hey. the worst thing about that is his mom was there. And you're looking at his mom, like, being worried about Like, she's, like, yeah. Shit, there's reality. You TV know? did a great yeah. job of playing it up, too. Yeah. They were, talk, you know, showing her, cutting to him, yeah. cutting yeah. to the crowd, you yeah. know. Hey, that's the only time I think somebody should have gotten a, a perfect score at an event X. I don't X think anyone event. even listened to the score, or even looked yeah. at it. it was, at that, it point, was at that yeah. point, it was over. I understand it was yeah. 97. He oh, should have gotten a perfect score. Yeah. Throw yeah. the gold medal at him. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I was going to say, at that point, no one even looked at the score tower. Everyone knew it was over. But there was a part of me that was like, because we were at a, with a group of people, and I was like, if I know Travis, he's going to stomp this. Mm -hmm. Like, we're all panicking over here, but he's probably the coolest guy at the moment. Like, he's just, he's, he's weird like that. He just has that inner yeah. belief that he can do it. Were you, were you ever scared at any point? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. It's we, you see all this stuff, and you want all this stuff to come together, and you know, working with such talented guys, you see the process and the preparation and the steps to get there. And but at the end of the day, it's that one moment that you're trying to get that they break a record or they do whatever. That I, it, yeah, it's that one moment that is. The most dangerous, you yeah. know. Um, so yeah, I, I, and I as your friend and you're involved with them, I would just imagine there's like a certain a personal, sense of not yeah. responsibility, but damn it, I don't want to see my friend die right now. Right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's I can't name anything, you know, Nothing specific, but it, there's there's always you know different things that we've done from yeah, yeah from different big snowboard jumps down to oh yeah, you, you know, guys. The mega ramp stuff. Your guys have been involved with like a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, was Matt Hoffman one of your guys? No. Dave okay. Mira was though. Oh, Mira. Yeah. Well, I was watching a 30 for 30 with, with 
uh, Hoffman oh, man. showing him hitting this hitting this ramp back way back in the day, yeah. setting records for height out of a quarter pipe, getting towed in with a bike or whatever. I remember that. And he's got all this family and camera around, and he, he you know, eventually slams, slams and gets knocked out, and it's like his kids there and his wife's crying, and it was heavy. I imagine you guys have probably. I gotta imagine at some point you've been there when one of your buddies is slammed and KO'd and. Yeah, that's not. A, that's never fun, but it, it's, it's part, part of it. Of we deal. all accept yeah. it. It's like yeah. going to a Supercross race. Yeah, I was there when Jimmy got hurt, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like I yeah. uh, go see him in the hospital, and we all know that that's a potential reality. That's yeah. that's a part of the, part of the sport, but it is what it is. Yeah. I guess. Was there ever an athlete? that you wished you had on your team at that time that it just didn't pan out in any sport? Someone that you're like, dang it, we almost had that guy. I really wanted him, and it didn't work. Uh, wow, that's a tough one. I can't really actually remember that sort of detail. Well, when I look, I'm like, <laughs> he almost had everyone that was cool. So, I, I, But I got to imagine this. Usually people are like, there was... Well, this guy stiffed me, and I wanted him, and then after that, I well, didn't the, want him. The one super random one that comes to mind is we had almost worked out a deal at one point with for Valentino Rossi. Oh, that would have been sick. Yeah. I mean, in Europe, he's a god. Yeah. So yeah. your DC shales, shoe sales over there at least would have yeah. gone. Yeah. And he's just such a cool guy. I think that he would have fit, like, because his personality yeah. kind of yeah. matches, like, action sports. I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so. That would have been cool. You sell the company. Uh, were you guys hired to stay on to advise or anything like that? Uh, yeah, it? Damon and I stayed around, I think, four or five years. And that was part of an, an earn out that yeah. was a part of the whole deal. Um, so, yeah, and that's 2004 is actually when the year I got married and the year of the first first time I ever stepped into a rally car. So it was kind of a big year for me. So, yeah, <laughs> how did that transition go? Because I, I know the next year you were racing rally, right? Yeah, well, uh, 2004, Travis was one of our athletes. And uh, he did a couple rallies that year, and uh, it just woke me up to the fact that, like, rally even existed in the States. Because I was always a fan of it, but I thought it was a European-only yeah, thing. Yeah. Well, that's huge. Yeah, exactly. Know, World Rally Championship. Exactly. So uh, Travis did a few rallies, and I called Travis's agent, Steve, and I said, hey, can I, I, what, how do I do this? Like, <laughs> yeah. I want to go do this with Travis. and. You know, and that would be really cool for me as, like, the chief brand officer to go out and be able to do this with one of our top athletes. And I just said, I'd, I'd like to try it at whatever level I can get into. So I contacted the team that was running the car for Travis, uh, which is a company called Vermont Sports Car. And they flew me out, and I went to a, a school called Team O'Neill, and I did that for four days. And at the end, I got to drive the same car that Travis was driving, you know? And I, I just... I would, it was just over. I was like, like, like Rallies, <laughs> yeah. we, we had a chance. We did the, the Dirtfish uh, yeah. school last year, but how much fun did we have? I, it I was thoroughly a enjoyed it. And it was, um, we didn't do the four-wheel draft cars. We stayed in the rear wheel. Mm, they like yeah. you to start in that yeah, yeah. better for technique or whatever. But by the end, you know, you do sections, and by the end of the two days, you're doing the whole course, and they're just like, Go. Mad at yeah. They're telling you, they're pushing it. You well, know? they're like, we don't do lap times. Yeah, I'm like, bullshit, we don't. Yeah, maybe you don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a team. What were all these kids from? Like these young kids they, that they're drove. They're like Formula uh, 3000, you know, yeah. open wheel racing. And they, they were, were like, they remind me of young F1 drivers. You know, the hair was done, nice dress, all this. Rich kids. We made them look stupid. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, we were- the funny thing for me, though, and I think you guys might have felt this, is I grew up riding on the dirt. I understand sliding yeah. and grip and identifying different looks on the ground and like sure. where I can put my wheel to get traction. Yeah. And, and so when I jumped in the rally car, I was just like, okay, this is just the application of what I learned most of my life riding a dirt bike. Yeah. You know? True. And so I, I love things? cars and I love dirt biking and it was just a combination yeah. of those two that felt so good to me had you driven much before any of that like did you do any other car racing or not really not i'd really? done a bit of karting but just fun stuff yeah you know and but as from being a kid i just always looked at rally as like that to me was like it was dirt biking but in cars yeah like i I respect oval racing, drag racing, Formula One is one of my favorite things, but like rally is what I relate to the most when I look at it. I think that's where your best drivers come from. You go look at history when they do those like racer champions. Mm -hmm. So many times the best overall driver and who would win the overall would be a a rally, like a Loeb or someone like him, just better overall in everything. Who was your favorite rally driver like when you first started getting into it? Uh, I mean, I... When I first started watching, it was like the 80s, so it was Ari Vatanen and people uh-huh. like that. But as I really got into it in the 90s, it was Colin McRae. So that that yeah. that person was like the biggest inspiration for me to really love rally. It was it was his style. It his was personality too. Personality, yeah. It I, was. I remember they stuck a mic in one day. He had rolled the car 13 times yeah. away through the forest and just just cool, you know, with his yeah. heavy accent. Ah, you know, things happen. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. like. Yeah. I'd be shitting myself. Yeah. Shame. It was unfortunate what happened there. Yeah. I was actually in that helicopter a couple months before he crashed. <laughs> was that his helicopter? Yeah, it was his helicopter. He would land right at his house. And his house son was and, with him, right? Yeah. yeah and that's another, terrible. And another friend or two and their yeah. kids. It was tragic. Very um, tragic. Yeah. But it was cool to, for me to go from him being one of the biggest inspirations of why I was in the sport and then eventually become friends with him and good friends. Oh, that's nice. And then be able to go out and learn from him and hang out with him. And it was just dream come true type stuff. You yeah. Know? When you went back east to drive that rally car for the first time, were you good right away? Did they? Did they? Did you impress that team? Or yeah, I was good. Yeah, yeah. and I, it, it was just like it. It was an application of things I'd dreamt about for yeah. so long, and from from all my dirt bike skills, just all rolled into one and. Yeah, and by the end, I was going quite quick, and I just wanted to go and go and go more, you know? Like, yeah. when I left that school, I was like, oh, God, how do I do this again? You know? I mean, like, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, I, I, so that was 2004, and, and 2005 was my first year that racing. So I was like, yep, doing this, go out and set up a privateer sort of thing with the team that was running Travis's car, just paid it all myself and went out and raced and ended up, that was Travis's first full season too, and he and I both had a bunch of crashes, and it was really fun. And I, <laughs> it was I, pretty fun. But I ended up beating him that, that Did you season. Really? Rookie yeah. of the year the first year, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys were like trading off like stages and rallies. Like you guys yeah. were back and forth with the wind. It seemed like. Yeah, he um he 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 has so much skill, you know, and like it's it's so great to be around him. And 
I was I was a bit more wild with it, like I because I which I, is hard to you're more yeah, wild yeah, than yeah, yeah. Well, I, he was he was the one that was we'll expected that <laughs> expected to win. Sure. Do you know what I mean? So I would take more ra- risk and have more fun with it. And uh, so the first year I ended up beating him in the points, and then from there on out he pretty much beat me. But it was I looked at it more as he was the top name athlete, and I was there as like the support guy, and I was just going for it. I was yeah. having a good time and. I didn't care if I ended up second in the championship, really. Of course, it meant a lot to me to try and win. Uh, but it was great because especially he was still a D.C. guy at that point. I was still helping promote him and make yeah, the yeah. shoes and all that stuff. So it was great to, to really push him through the D.C. thing as a, a driving athlete. Yeah. So it was it was an incredible time. I, I look back in those years now. And it was insane. It was me and Travis and this team with um, – you know, a great set of guys behind us uh, as a team, and we were racing some other guys like uh, Tanner Faust. That mm-hmm. they had a great team, and it was just incredible for a small national championship. We just had these big names and cool cars, and yeah. it was a really fun time. At that time, what does a car like that cost? Uh, basically, there the category of car is is what's called a Group N car, and it, we were running. Because of the way the U.S. rules work, it's a slightly modified, slightly faster Group N car, and they they roughly run probably about three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, they mm. used to have the Greek Group N in South Africa, but I think they've gone to more of a sp- smaller spec class now. Yeah, so you can wad up three hundred thousand pretty easily. Yeah, and, and when that happens, what do you mean you can? He's done it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then not everything's a write-off. Like the shell sure. may be a write-off, but there's so many parts of the yeah. engine. That it's would not like the rental car company where they roll up with another one for <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, no. Well, no. It, I mean, but a lot of these cars are designed that okay, that that'll be a weak point. So if you smash something in there, that'll break instead right. of ripping everything off. So you sometimes right. look, and then it's like, like you said, some fiberglass <laughs> replacements and a couple of arms or whatever, and you're like, it's not as bad as it maybe originally looked. Yeah. Were were you always looking to world rally like or was that ever were you ever even thinking that far out No not at all not not in the <clears throat> even slightest bit in the sense of that it was just It's more about fun Yeah it was more just having fun and experiencing something new and and I didn't even look at that time I didn't even look at it as like a career I had just had this incredible career building DC shoes selling it and moving on and and I didn't know what the future really really meant and I I just started it as a hobby and and I was just already naturally good at it so I'm like well I've been around all these guys from Travis to Ricky to Danny to Travis Rice I've seen how they trained I know who they train with I know what they go through mentally I'm like I I can pick off little pieces of this yeah. and make myself better know the steps to get better so why not try it, you know? So I just trained harder, trained better. I had, like, Rhino for a trainer for a bunch of years. Uh, and we just used the process that we knew from all these other sports and people to really try and get myself to whatever level. And back then, I'm like, who knows where this could go? Yeah. I could I could turn out to suck after a couple of years or it could go on. But I said, I might as well put my best foot forward. And I got the time now. And, and I really genuinely love it so let's do this yeah that's the key right there right you loved it it's not like getting up and punching in to go to work right and the thing is like i started at 37 and you know most of the you know the sebastian Loeb's and petter solberg's of the world start carting it yeah 
Nine. Five. Yeah, yeah, you know. The minute so, they can f- touch the pedals, they're so, out there. So to me, starting at 37, everything was an upside. You know, yeah. like I didn't, I had no expectations of where this might go. Yeah. And There's so also a lot was, to take in. Yeah. Even though, even if you say, oh, I've got three, four years, that's still a lot to try and accumulate in that short period of yeah. time. And the good thing for me, too, with being older and with so much more experience, like I could walk into rooms with organizers, like the people that run Rally America, and be like, hey, let's try and do things this way. Mm-hmm. Because coming from a company, I know what the companies need. We need to get more marketing. We need to get more exposure, whatever. I was able to put things together to really help the sport and help move things forward. And that was enjoyable for me because I, 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 I know you guys grew up in motocross. You genuinely love motocross, right? Yeah. So do I. But like for me, rally was now this new part of my life and I genuinely loved it. And like, how can I help? How yeah. can I help move this forward? How can I... You know, you know when it came up like X Games, we we're like, yeah, yeah Travis and I in. together, we're like, yeah, how can we make this happen? I figured it had to be you guys to get it in there because I was like, who else has that sort of? Well, power? we were a big part of it because they saw the draw of it. Do you know what I mean? Well, the cool thing that I remember, like I uh, talked to you earlier, like with Global Rallycross and that. When you would see the lineup, it was like he's a European rally champion and he's a US rally champion. He's an X game gold medalist. He was a freestyler. He was a, a skater. He was a, you know, and these were all legends that were able to come back and, and, and be able to battle on, on one racetrack. And I think as a fan, it's kind of cool to see those walks of life come together. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I think that's the kind of funny thing for me to see the smile on the faces of guys like Jeff Ward. You know, and like it is now that you guys have been in, it really is one of the funnest ways to drive a car, you know, sure. especially when it's 600 horsepower and does zero to 60 and, 1.9 seconds off the start line. Yeah, I can't so, man. I love yeah. I loved watching you guys with the start, the, the, the popping. The yeah. Brrr, yeah. Da, da, yeah. Da, da. So it was. They it, would shift quick too. Yeah, it's genuinely one of the funnest ways, like I said, to race a car. So it was cool to be around all those guys, compete against them, and, and be able to win, go out there and, and win in these events. So. But yeah, I mean, yeah, like like that thing right there on the wall. That's racing X Games downtown LA. I finished and then on you blew three tires, yep. and I was second only to Sebastian Loeb, yep. the winningest rally driver of all time. Yeah. Nine, what is he? Nine time world yeah, champ. Yeah, nine time world champ. So to be able to share a podium with him, I was never anywhere near his level in the WRC, but in rallycross I was. So Dude, that's it was huge, cool. You, you could argue, well. Probably got to go down as one of the greatest dr- drivers yes. in the history of motor yeah. racing. And I actually out qualified him in that event. I just didn't hey. have as good of an event. <laughs> yeah. so. Hey, who cares? <laughs> just keep that piece of paper frame and put it yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. How, how many cars do you think you've gone through at this point, rally cars and everything else? Uh, I, I don't even know. I mean, it, it, you mean by crashing them or just by driving them? Yes. All, uh, all the above. I, I th- think in my whole career, there's may I've I've had two crashes where it was bad enough to, for the shell to be just to be off. gone. Okay. Yeah, but I mean that I've driven so many different cars because like if if I were to go drive, like a couple of years ago, I did one WRC event and it was a uh, Spain, and so that sort of thing. It's just a rental, basically. You M- just use a car from over there. M Sport already has these. Yeah, Catalonia. So M Sport has these cars that they're meant for. Uh, privateers that come in to pay to do one or two mm. events, that sort of thing. So I've driven lots of different cars all over the world, plus I have my own team cars. And even the the two cars that were right off were, weren't even ours. Actually, one was. 
one was and one was an old old team's car so but like i said it's it it takes a lot to really yeah. it's usually the ones where it's a complete write-off is when they burn to the ground because yeah. nothing is usable you mm. know and so i've well i got a question about that we'll get to that because okay. i saw a video it scared the hell out of me yeah um but I want to go back. So in 2010, you did with Monster. You put together a, a World Rally team. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I, what, I, what made you decide to go do that? Was that just well, the next step? Or? Well, I'd, I'd driven uh, as a privateer uh, with that same team that Travis was on for like four or five years, and Travis was the number one driver. He was the one that was getting paid, all that sort of stuff. And I was still paying. You know, I was bringing in sponsors, and uh, like I'd built so much exposure and everything through social media that I, my value as a driver had just come up and so that company which was Subaru just wasn't willing to you know pay for what I was doing yeah. and Ford came along and said hey we see a great value with this we have cars from uh, some of the winningest rallycross cars to you know a top level WRC car and so it just worked out to be a great program for me and a great switch. So that's why I left that former team, Vermont Sports Car, hired all the people in-house for me here, and started what well, at that time was the Monster World Rally Team, which eventually just turned into Hoonigan Racing. Uh, but that was a great start with me for Ford. You know, that was right as we were really starting to do the Gymkhana videos. So... Uh, the third year of doing that was then when I started with Ford, which was Gymkhana 3. Okay. So um, by then, it, things were really starting to get serious. I was going from someone that was bringing in some sponsorship but still having to pay some of my own money to go out and race and do these things to now a full-fledged yeah. team that was even starting to dip into racing in the World Rally Championship. And so how did it go? First of all, how did it go in the World Rally? That, that's a different animal uh yeah at that time i, I mean i was doing the gymkhana videos gymkhana racing racing rallycross still racing here in america and i think i did seven events that first year in the wrc in the ford focus and uh it was a struggle we knew it was going to be a struggle why but, but well because when you start racing in wrc typically most of the drivers come up through a system like in mm. motocross you you start in the lights and it most riders, unless your name's, you know, Cincerello or Forkner, those guys that come in and win the first year, you know, most of the guys that comes in, it takes, takes a time. couple of years, mm -hmm. right? Well, they're getting to know, oh, the dirt <clears throat> in St. Louis is tacky. It's kind of crappy and whatever. But same with the Nationals. You go to the... You know the uh, secret You go lines, to Wash, you know, Shugel, yeah. and like by the couple years in, then you are mm -hmm. one of the top riders, right? Okay. Same with the WRC. The minute you enter that... You have to go start writing your own notes in those events. And you only get two passes to write notes. And then you're racing the greatest drivers in the world on two passes on these notes. Mm. Where they've been doing it for years. I mean, by the time I started racing in the WRC, Matthew Wilson, who was a mid-pack guy, great guy, but he was always a fifth, seventh, ninth, you know, he had more WRC races completed than I'd ever done rallies in my entire career mm. but that's what it takes to be fast Jeez. at that top level you what does that mean pa passes what does that mean? well two passes so they block off these roads that you're going to race on and you do two passes two drives down these roads and you write the notes like 100 meters during that oh my hairpin God. right 
You know what I mean? Well, how does that work? Is your co-driver with you, and and you're telling him what to ride, or he's? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you're, I'm driving down the road. I'm like, uh, are you going slow? Are you guys? Yeah, creep? 35 miles an hour. I okay. think the typical WRC stage, the speed limit's 45. So is a, a one or a two for one guy different than a one or a two for another guy? Yeah, there's a couple different systems. The system I use is a one through six. Six yeah. being like a corner you wouldn't lift for. Wide one open. being a hairpin. Yeah. So. You know, if you think about it as gearing, one, like a right one would over be a first a hill, gear through the fence, yeah. left down the aisle. Yeah, and so it's it just takes years to to be able to do that. And I, the original plan for me was a three-year program with a second driver, um, so that the pressure would be off me. I could get three years to get all the notes and get everything going, and. Uh, uh, a particular sponsor had said, yeah, we'll do that. We'll, we'll fund that whole thing. And at the 12th hour, they'd said, no, we're not going to do that. Pulled, pulled back. So I ended up having to do this more abbreviated program. And it is what it is. I got the opportunity to go race in the yeah. WRC against arguably some of the greatest drivers on the planet. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just didn't get it to do it to the way that would have put me in the right position, but I got to go do it. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I struggled the first year. Second year, I went out and did nine events, and I did better. You know, had a couple top five stage finishes, but I always seemed to have some bad luck or just, you know, make some mistakes. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I scaled back a bit. But Well, it's like you said, that the guys that are – are winning have done it since they were kids. I mean, we, we talked a little bit about Reed, you know, he's, he's wanting to go to car racing. And I said, man, the odds aren't in his favor. No motocross guys ever just switched over and had success. Yeah. Even Travis, like when he goes to world rallies, is he winning those? Mm -mm. So, I mean, it's hard that you can't just jump into the most elite level of yeah, that type of race. If you can do it right. If you can do the program, like I said, three years to get there, do it with the right training, the right yeah. ex exposure. And, and like, and what I mean by that is like, there's even guys that say, if I had that seven event program, I should have actually gone to the other events where I knew I might've been racing the other in writing those notes. Cause you can do that. Oh, you can. I, yeah. But I just didn't have time. I had kids, yeah. I have a wife, you know, I have businesses, yeah. you know, that's one problem with starting later in life is, you know, there's young kids today, you know, Oliver Salberg, young kid still lives at home. No overhead, no bills, you know. No responsibility. Right, just, you know. Yeah. One track and, mind. Right, one track mind. All he does is race. And well, when he's at home. Girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, but it is what it is. I, I accepted not only the positives, but the negatives that go along with that and, and just put my head down and did the best job that I could. Okay, so during that time, everything was kind of overlapping. You had started Jim Connor stuff. Yeah. Did those take off right away, or did that kind of build? Uh, yeah, the first video I did, it's just called Jim Kana Practice Testing and Practice. That video was uh, YouTube wasn't even big at that time. It was there, but it wasn't what it is today. Was that at Irvine and the Blimp Hangers? Uh, it's in Irvine at a uh, airfield called El Toro. The Toro. old El Toro, yeah. right? Yeah. But the airplane hangers are close to there, but a little bit away. Yeah. Oh, so you combine that together is that is that how you did it uh no i wasn't in a blip hanger there was a hanger there hey that's where no. uh tanner and greg tracy practiced the loop too right there isn't it yeah, yeah i think so right there yeah so anyway I, I, that video when we were done we actually put it on my personal website like had a video player on my personal website you know today youtube is the standard yeah, for most much. everybody yeah. back then it wasn't like you you had videos on your own website yeah. that's what we did we put it on there and uh i it was a big file. Like it was really high res. And like, I got a call after a couple of days. They're like, 
Hey, uh, yeah, there's been like a million downloads of this video, and you've already exceeded your monthly limit for data, uh, you know, oh, for the website. Right? And they're like, we think that this might be like like 10 grand for this month if we leave this video on here. That you had to pay going. for it? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Just for the data of the, the other download. Way yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I called the sponsors and like they said, okay, yeah, we'll fund that. Because back then, viral videos, that was a new thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And all my sponsors were like, we're getting millions of views on this with our logo on it? Hell yeah, let's keep this going. So we left it on my site for like a month. So it got like 10 million views that first month on my site. And then we, after that, nobody wanted to pay. I'm like, okay, we'll just put it on YouTube. And it just continued to grow and got like 100 million views. What Did you make this word up? What the hell is this word? Uh, the word actually, it's a, it's a grassroots style of motorsport. And the word Gymkhana actually is a, it's like a technical horse term yep. like a technical horse racing okay and so somebody i think in japan adopted it for a more technical style of autocross okay and autocross is just like a grassroots motorsport where you set up cones in a parking lot yeah and people will drive through and get a time they do but, that at qualcomm yeah they exactly do qualcomm. they do it Qual- they do it at like angel stadium they, yeah you know, all like, over the place but that's they take these big parking lots especially like um you know big uh stadium parking lots and and do this so i'd actually done one of those just as training uh there was somebody that did a series a gymkhana series in southern california i was like oh i want to learn how to slide my car on tarmac my rally car because all the racing we were doing in america it's all gravel Mm -hmm. but i grew up watching my heroes slide these cars around on tarmac i wanted to learn how to slide a rally car on tarmac so i i did one of these gymkhana I think it was the series was called Jim Connor USA. So I did one and I was like, holy crap, this is fun. This is, I, I like this, you know? So I built a car specifically to go do those events. And uh, when the car was done, the guy that was doing that little series just got tired of it and quit doing it. So I had this really cool car and nothing to do with it. And I just thought, oh, I'll go back to that same place that I did that event and, and just film something fun. And I went and shot one day. And like a couple weeks later, I saw the footage. I was like, holy crap, this is really cool. Like, I, as a fan of that yeah. style of driving, I was like, wow, this is fun. Yeah, no, it's awesome to see, like, how close you were to the walls coming out. Yeah. If we're talking about the same video. Yeah. But even doing the, the, the mobile donuts around the dude on the Segway. Yeah, yeah. And that, like, that's a lot of car control. It's, yeah. It, to watch it, it's fun as well. I mean, well, I could only imagine doing Sliding it. in the K-Rail when he made the square. <laughs> Originally, you had the square in the K-Rail too, right? Yeah. Yeah, to, and you yeah, 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 the donuts yeah. In there. Well, the funny thing about that is like I, I shot for one day and we looked at the footage. We're like, wow, this has a lot of potential. So I went back and shot a second day because we saw the potential in how it looked and how it went together. But we didn't design it all to go together like that in the beginning. Okay, because that so was then, a question of mine. I'm like, that yeah. choreography was phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> so we went back and filled in some pieces and reshot a few things so it was two days of shooting and and like i showed the the head guy nick agcock that was running dc at the time for us i was like hey do you, do you like this do you think it would fit on the dc site can i put a dc logo on it you know i really liked it i but it you know i didn't know if he thought it would be sure, appropriate sure, for yeah. dc you know because we're a skate company and he's like holy shit this is insane yeah you can put a dc logo on <laughs> yeah. that so it, it it really was something that just came really naturally. Uh, it was me and just a couple guys that, that shot it and put it together. And it was shot like a, to me, it was like a skateboard film. It was like skateboard 
parts for, for skateboarders, they may try, you know, one trick 30 times, okay, and they got that, and then they'll put it with another trick that took them 10 tries to put together, and they'll put this part together. They edit it together these. like they just knocked right. out from one to the other. Right, yeah. so I was basically doing that, but I was able to link things together like it was a race course. Yeah. yeah. You know, but the inspiration came from skateboarding, like a skateboard mm -hmm. part. So that's the way the whole thing came together, and that was kind of my vision. And even the way that we shot it, I, I was like, I don't, I don't want to cheat anything. This is all real action let's get these angles as if we're skateboarding like you have to show it in the most honest angle so that's that was the whole mindset behind it and then when we launched it and it received kind of the you know the praise that it received and the views like we're like shit this really this works i'm glad yeah. people like this as much as we like it did you think it would do that like when you watch it you're like, this is going to be huge or you're like man i hope people think this is as cool as i do no nah, i mean i thought maybe at that time we were trying to make cool content for dc that we thought would kind of make us stand out from everybody else that made car content so we thought oh, i might do like five hundred thousand views or something but we had no idea that it would do a hundred million you know it's insane the numbers yeah all those videos. when you go yeah. on and you oh, it blows me away. Yeah, Shit. It's crazy. Yeah, the fact that like I get paid to go do this stuff in San, you know, cities like San Francisco like mm -hmm. open their arms and like, "Oh, you want the bridge too?" Like, "Sure, have the bridge." Like, <laughs> you know, like we didn't even think we could get the Bay Bridge and they offered it to us, you know? So who, who does that? Uh you know, you just did one at China, um mm -hmm. the Tiananmen Road, is that what yeah, it's called? Yeah. Which looked incredible by the way. The the site itself, like I want to go there just to go up those stairs yeah. and stand through that thing. It looked yeah. amazing. And then you're, they obviously had to shut the whole road off. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, who's the guy on your team that calls China mm -hmm. and says, hey, we want you to close this whole road. We want to do burnouts all the way up this thing. And at one point, you clipped something and knocked it off the edge of yeah. the corner. I was like, oh, God, if they see that, they're going to cut his hands off. Yeah. I mean, like. Yeah, well, Were they start, easy to work with? Well, though? it started off at the beginning. It was like a small crew of like basically very simple filmers. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause I was using people that we knew from our industries, but later on, like, I think when we did Jim kind of four, that's when we actually hired some real production people, Hollywood production people. Cause we needed some really good effects. We were on one of the, the Hollywood lots doing all this stuff and we needed some real effects. So we hired a, an, another level up of, of production company and they had, you know, the director Ben had, real location scouts now mm. we were using real hollywood people okay. real art directors all that sort of stuff and that's when things just started to escalate so the guy that actually helped us with the scouting and permits and everything for gymkhana 4 was then helping us with gymkhana 5 and he had just scouted san francisco for one of like the marvel films okay right i think it was like iron man 3 that they eventually went to i think miami or somewhere to, to actually film he's like hey i I've got these locations. We'd actually checked out something outside the city. Didn't like it. We're coming back in the city. And he's like, hey, let me show you these spots in San Francisco. And we just laughed. We thought, there's no way they're going to let us do this, you know, hooning on the streets of San Francisco. Hooning. And he's like, he's like, no, no, no. We can do it. We, like, let, me, let me show you the spots. And then you can tell me what more you want. And I'll see if I can work it out. So we did that, and he ended up getting everything that we wanted. And that guy was so good, he actually won an award for Gymkhana 5 for, Is that the, right? for the scouting. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I just don't see, like, I don't see that being a small feat. 
going to the San Francisco City Board or whoever you go to and going, hey, we want to shut all this down. Our guy's going to leave mm. skid marks all over the streets. <laughs> uh, over that wit- tw- tw- twistiest road in the world. We're gonna well, leave- you know, <laughs> yeah. that's not an easy sell. No, and, and I, it would, it, to tell you the truth, I, I think it's a little easier than you think it is because places like San Francisco have a film commission that does this all the time. Really? And they have a police staff that knows and understands doing that also. So if you go to some random small city that doesn't do that yeah. stuff all the time, you'd be talking gibberish to them. Hey, we yeah. want to shut down. the would be like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> but San Francisco, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you want the financial district? Yeah, we'll do that on Saturday morning when nobody's in there. You know, and we need three cops. We'll shut it off this way. In, in China, do they require you use some of their production people in China? Is that um, like a law or something? Yes, that got fairly complicated. Mm. Yeah, like all the drone work because it's a like a national park type thing. Like we couldn't have our guys fly the drones. We actually had to hire Chinese nationals to fly the drones and it was actually quite difficult because so all the drone work that's in Climcona 2 like my uh director of photography pierre had to like oversee them the full time to get what he wanted out of it yeah. but it is what it is well yeah it's incredible what you guys have done with all that so while that's going on you talk about the the challenges there's too much stuff going on you're trying to race world rally you've started these Jim Connor videos which are going through the roof when did you kind of switch over to this Hoonigan thing? And tell us about how that kind of, that kind of, kind of came about. Well, I'll tell you, like, I, I, I was very lucky to do DC and everything that we did with DC. And when the first Jim Connor video came out, we sold, like, you know, my team T-shirt, you know, Monster logo on the front and, and all the other sponsors. And it was kind of something new, like for Zoomies and stuff like that. And yeah. for whatever reason, when that video hit and it was so popular and that shirt happened to be in the store, we sold like 200,000 of those shirts. I had heard that's was the highest selling shirt at, maybe it was Zoomies. I thought it Tilly's. was like PAX under Tilly's. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like mind blowing to me. And like we were, like the whole thing was just kind of crazy. Um, and, and, and DC was having a lot of success with it, but it was a bit odd for DC. And because I just have such a marketing mind, I'm, you know, I'm doing so much stuff with me and Travis that it's kind of overshadowing some of the stuff that DC is really known for, for skateboarding and snowboarding. So over time, DC wanted to scale all that stuff back because it was, it was such good marketing and done so well that they wanted to go back to really pushing skateboarding, which yeah, made core, total sense yeah. to me. Like, I just had too many ideas for what DC was capable of. So that's how Hoonigan got started. I needed this outlet to be able to make the team gear, make cool posters, do all the marketing, and yeah. take some of these marketing ideas and be able to work with Ford or Monster or Toyo and, and then make those projects happen. And DC liked it in the beginning, but as time went on, it just didn't make sense. You could see that where it, <laughs> it's over, it's, it's eclipsing what their athletes are doing, their core athletes in surf, skate, snow, yeah. right? Um, well, yeah, well, that's, I felt kind of bad in certain ways. Like, I'm doing stuff that's getting 100 million views, right? But I'm the founder of this company, <laughs> and, and the, the skateboarders just aren't getting that sort of exposure, yeah, you know? And, no and, it, and it made sense to me to, to kind of go and do something different. They wanted to scale it back, and I just said, look, I, I get it. Like, and I actually want to do more, but it makes sense to have it in a brand that's designed around yeah. that, yeah. you know? 
Yeah. So, so was it your, you again, the marketing genius over here that came up with the name? Because I didn't know what the hell Hoon meant. Yeah, well, the term Hoon is actually from San Francisco. Uh, sorry, San Francisco. It's from Australia. It's actually yeah. a negative term. It's yeah. it's as if you get pulled over here for doing reckless driving, yeah. which reckless driving to you, right? That's not a good yeah. thing to happen, right? You don't want a reckless driving yeah. ticket. Well, down there, it's the same thing. You get pulled over and you're in trouble. It's a Hoon ticket. The cops call it a you're Hoon hooning. ticket. Yeah. Right, you're Hooning. You're hooning That's yeah. their term for being reckless in Mate, a car. Mate, in your ute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So what happened was we took that, well, not we, the, the U.S. like journalists took it on as like a term of you're having fun with a car. So they okay. started calling me the king of the hoons. So I thought, oh, wow, this is, so we started adopting that word more. We we're like, oh, wow, that, that actually fits what we do fairly well. Even though there's this negative connotation down in Australia, for us, it kind of defined that we're doing something different in motorsports. Yeah. I'm a race car driver, but we're having fun with the car. That wasn't really a concept so much before. In motocross, you understand that you go to the track, you do your laps, but fuck, look at that triple. I can transfer from there yeah. over yeah. to there. Yeah. Like, people in motorsports don't think that way, typically. And that's what we were doing. I couldn't wait to take the car out from the race and go do something fun with yeah. it because I come from that skateboarding mindset that this, look at this rad tool that I have. Think if you like your rad tool, like you could only race or you could only ride your skateboard in a contest. That's right. the way racing cars is. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Bring that over here. I want to, yeah. I want to go slide around through that parking lot or yeah. through that city street or whatever and no it's it's brilliant it's it's like what pastrana did he showed that you don't have to just be a racer yeah watch i can go do x games i can go do all of these things yeah. and he's eclipsed we've we've said of, it we've said it many times he's way more popular now with all the other things he's done on the side than ever as a motocross than racer. any racer really yeah so yeah. you, you you don't you've taken the same thing. There's, yeah. There may even be car racers who are pissed. <laughs> yeah. So there's so there's this word hoon that means basically that, like yeah. having fun with the car. And so we are looking for a company name, and I'm just like, well, there's hooligans. I mean, that's has a yeah. certain word and connotation, but we're we like the hoon, so we would be the hoonigans, you know. Dude, it's and, brilliant. Yeah. Honestly, when I heard about that, I, I said he, he blended hoon and hooligan. Yeah. It's freaking brilliant. What you said this was... This guy it, is like a marketing... <laughs> that, that's a good question. Did you ever find from racers that there's some negativity from what you're doing? Um, most of the negativity I experience is either like journalists that don't get it, right? Because they're just used to writing about racing. Yeah, who, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, there's, yeah. or there's fans that look at the popularity of what I do and how I do things and say, oh, he's not the best in the world at racing, so who gives a crap about him? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, that's really the only negativity. Most every race car driver I ever meet from, from you know, f Jensen Button or Fernando Alonso to Lewis Hamilton. Like, Lewis Hamilton's like, man, I want to drive your Mustang. You know, like, <laughs> those guys, they all, because we're all, most race car drivers are stuck in this rut. Like, I got to chase sponsorship. I got to get on the right team. I got to go race. I got to go prep for the races. It's all just about the racing. But they see what I do yeah. and they're like, damn it, how'd you turn this into fun? You know? Like, well, shit, the F1 yeah. drivers look miserable most of the time. And it's like, because they're just like, computerized you know yeah. program to go and, and but but you again stole a page out of like surf skate snow moto even mm -hmm. and the guys who went and did freestyle they went and did just free riding yeah or you know guys that'll go uh travis rice i mean he's doing that right he's just going snowboarding mm -hmm. up in alaska making yep. videos and getting paid yep it's like i'm doing what i i 
what I love to do and making money doing it. Twitch, yeah. like we said, Twitch, Twitch is, now. He's a, he's killing it. Yeah. So, you know, the thing with all that, though, is like I, I've never claimed to be the best driver in the world. I've never raced and won the world championship, but I probably have more fun than those guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I am quite good. I, I race at quite a high level when I am oh, yeah. in a serious competition. But, you know, that's one of the complaints that we hear sometimes. Like, oh, why is this guy so popular? He's never won the world rally championship. It's like, okay, well... If you put in perspective when I started, what I've done, I'm actually pretty proud of what I've been able to do Dude, at the age that I've been be. able to do. Well, you earned it, your, your fan base. It's, you, you didn't purchase it. You, you, you created it. Yeah. I mean, you can't take that away from anyone. And your numbers, the numbers speak for themselves. Yeah, and, and that's something like if you – I feel like you mentioned Travis and – and, I, and he's not nearly as popular as you are, by the way. <laughs> just, just remember that, Travis. Have a slice of humble pie. <laughs> well, I, you know, like, Travis came before me doing, and, and a lot of other guys too, but Travis is a perfect example where he was such a talented racer, made it so far, but he really, the things that he's done outside of racing has really made him. Who he is. Like, who he is, why, why he's that popular to the fans. Yeah. And he felt stuck in racing. Because yeah. that was his whole deal. He didn't. He just didn't want to be pigeonholed into that only. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, he looks at that bike as a giant toy, and if all you get to do with it is race, he's disappointed. He mm. wants to. Like I still have this vivid, vivid memory of that year that he was going into the Supercross season. I think it was first or second year, two fifty. Castillo Ranch. And then he jumped over the fence and, and hurt failed. his knee. You know, and it's like. He couldn't help himself. Like he just—he couldn't. He shouldn't have been doing that. It was a dumb jump. Have you seen away. the jump? It's the dumbest. I'm yeah. like, even if it went perfectly, yeah, where were you going? You're gonna yeah. land into an uphill. Like yeah. it, it wasn't gonna be fun. Right. But he just. Oh, I could do it. Yeah. yeah. I think he was trying to get to the top of the hill, and it just dug the, the yeah. pegs. Down. Well. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, it, but I'm. But I'm the same way. I'm like. Yeah. How can I figure the, out the how to skateboard slide analogy up this is great because. You're right. If it was like, okay, the only time you can ride the skateboard is in a vert contest or, I mean, that's, the, that's like the opposite of what a skateboard stands for, like right. freedom and expression and you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, I'm, I'm not a huge car guy. I didn't know Sebastian Loeb's name until I started prepping for the show. Mm. And I'm like, oh, well, this dude's won a lot. Like, yeah. He must be pretty good. But I've seen all your Gymkhana videos. You mm. know what I mean? So, well, I think I, I don't know. You'd have to, you'd have to do a, uh, global sampling, but I would guess your name is likely more popular than his. Like more people would know you from what you've done. Well, for sure him. in the U.S. For sure in the U.S. Yeah, rally's bigger. I, I don't know. I, like I said, yeah, I yeah for sure, it's for it's sure in the U.S. Yeah. and potentially even around the world. And I mean, I like Sebastian. He's an incredibly talented guy. He's he's incredible to watch. Um, but I, he's in a championship where you're subject to how the championship covers you. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just took myself and the car out of it and, and delivered to the fans what I thought the fans wanted to see. I think I saw you him know? do something fun. Didn't he dress up like an old man and drive somebody around in the car? Or uh, you're thinking of Petter Solberg. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, 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 that's right. But Petter's another great one, though. But Petter's actually one that's actually transferred that popularity of what he does more outside of, of racing too because he's done stuff like that yeah <laughs> that would be funny to put him in an uber yeah, like they did no they did that's just what he start. did didn't, didn't Loeb it. do uh pike's peak uh yeah Loeb. 
Uh, he, he had the, the record. Re- he, had yeah, the he record. had the record. He had the record. He was he crushed the record yeah. at one no, point. No, he crushed it so bad. Yeah, yeah. And now uh, another company's come in with electric car, electric and beat car. it. But I'm friends with Greg Tracy. I'm pretty good friends okay. with that guy. Yeah. yeah. So. He he did he did electric car and stuff up there a couple times. Yeah. Well, the thing is with that mountain, Loeb was the last one to take a combustion yeah. engine up that road. And it, it the the budgets to do what they did was just huge, mm. um, and he, he just he they put the best driver in the world for that condition yeah. in the best car in the world, which is a rally style tarmac car, and just crushed everybody. That was pretty fun. But then someone else came along with a Volkswagen. What was his name um, again? Sorry, I know uh, he does uh, like IMSA racing now. Um, drawing a blank on it. Yeah, but yeah, he he had just broken the record. The guy who beat yeah, the record. Yeah, yeah, but they did it with an electric car, which the electric car isn't isn't impacted by the oxygen levels of being at altitude. Mm. So I don't I don't think a combustion engine will ever beat an electric car again up that. Mountain. I'm surprised they don't separate those in classes. Well, it's it's not about the event win; it's about the record. Time, you're going time from, bottom to top. You're going from point A to point B, and for years the record was right at ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Monster, Monster did it in that. Uh, I forgot his name, but it's, he's the Japanese guy. Yeah, Monster Tajima. Yeah, he had the specially built Pikes Peak. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. Mm. So it's, it's it's just a point A to point B thing, and at one point it was at 10 minutes, and then a couple guys started dropping below nine, and then Loeb was in the eights, and I think now... 757. Yeah, right 757 now. is the electric car. <laughs> yeah, so it's not... It's, there's different people that win every year, but it's that year, but it's the overall record that okay. everybody tries to get. That's crazy. Hey, we're going to take a quick timeout. Uh, this is your Toily Designs timeout. Take a break. We'll be right back with more Ken Block. I want to introduce you guys to PowerDot, a wireless muscle stim unit that is controlled by an app on your phone. It's incredibly simple. This is something I've used for a little over a year now to help with arm pump and nagging injuries, and I've had amazing results with it. They recently worked with Adam Cianciarillo to help rehab his knee after surgery. He had an ACL replaced, and after talking to him, it's something he swears by. He's adamant that this is the one thing that got him back on the bike quicker and got him healthy. So if you have any muscle pain, any nagging injuries, or you want to recover the best way possible, head over to PowerDot.com forward slash Whiskey Throttle for a chance to win a free unit or get 20% off your next purchase. That's PowerDot.com forward slash Whiskey Throttle for 20% off and a chance to win. You can thank me later. I see the sunrise I wake up in the morning feeling so nice I burn a couple bowls of the alright I look out to the world and it's all mine Yeah, it's all mine I see palm trees and joints kids smoke palm trees like ointment My wee breath is fresh cause I keep my appointments Now I can finally see like I smoke some DMT What you think we should sound like? What you think we do at night? We made a mess of this shit We wrecked the rest of all the west with the recklessness If you's a bitch you might get snatched up like some necklaces This where the rest of us live You, you, you say You say we feel like a west coast I say we sound like a pastor Alright, welcome back. That's the Troy Designs timeout. Uh, get over there to TroyLeeDesigns.com. Check out all the new moto gear. They've got a brand new D4 downhill mountain bike helmet. The latest offering from those guys, if you're into bicycling, it's, it is downhill mountain bike season for those who are interested in that. And uh, By the way, I love that helmet. 
Helmet's legit. <laughs> I, yeah. I use it for downhill mountain biking, snowmobiling, uh, and in my Can-Am. Less in my snowmobile nowadays, but man, it, it's such a great, versatile helmet. Yeah. The problem with a lot of those older ones is you felt suffocated a little bit when you started breathing hard. But this thing is so open. It's light. It's comfortable. I mean, anytime something that beautiful is made out of carbon fiber, like, <laughs> I just get stoked on yeah. carbon I, fiber. I, went on, with a, you. I uh, went on a dual sport ride with Mike Metzger, and he was wearing one. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, we're out some pretty sketchy spots, and I'm like, I don't know, Metz. Maybe you should just put a moto helmet back on, you know? Visor, no visor, I don't care. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, awesome helmet. Check those guys out. Uh, also, as is our usual routine here, Fire Department Coffee's got us a, a mug and a new, a bag of their brand new Skull Crushing Espresso. That's for you, Mr. Ken Block. Thank you. I'll leave that for you for here. I appreciate uh, you having us in, and I hope you can uh, use that with the fam. Coffee drinkers? Uh, it'll be here. Okay. <laughs> All right. Lots of coffee drinkers here along with Monster. <laughs> All right. All right, jumping back in. Uh, I saw that you got Pastrana tapped to do the next Jim Connor video. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've been doing it for so long, and I still enjoy doing it. Uh, but we, we have actually wanted to do some different things with Travis. And uh, even at the end of Jim Connor 10, he gets in my truck uh, my Ford F-150 Huna truck and drives away. I saw that. And that was actually leading into another concept that we were going to do for another Gymkhana Files. But, you know, business is business. We have all sorts of ideas and try and pitch Amazon and Netflix and all these different companies. And if they don't buy it, well, crap. <laughs> yeah. We have to figure something else out. But it's uh, always been great working with Travis. And he's wanted to do one of those with us for a long time. And he's always... I, I I have kind of my box that I do things in that I yeah. keep things all a certain way and he's always a bit over here going this way <laughs> more of a nitro circus Travis flavor so it, it's going to be cool to have him you know take on that that project this year and do it doesn't mean I'm not doing stuff I'm still no, right, right. Yeah. doing doing stuff and we're putting out tomorrow uh, on my YouTube channel the Climb Connor Files which is the making of a Climb Connor Two so. Oh, we're still delivering lots of rad Jimkana yeah. type content with me to, for my fans, but it's great to have Travis come into Hoonigan and use my whole crew to go out and make a project. So are you guys building the car? Uh, no, the team that he races for is okay. building the car and doing all that, but my team at Hoonigan is doing all the production. Yeah. So the same guys that you know did Jimkana 10 with me, that did uh, Climbkana 2 the last year, uh, that whole crew of shooters, director Brian Scotto, um, they're all doing all it. Doing it. How, how, yeah. do you, how do you come up with all these, like, in L.A., you're going under the low riders that are bouncing and stuff. I mean, does, do you guys have a team of guys that are just kind of sitting we around? We just come up with the dumbest ideas we can and see what <laughs> sticks. <Yeah. laughs> no, I, you know, it, there's only so much I could do with a car. I can't kickflip it, you know? So we got to <laughs> think of all this fun stuff to do with it that 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 works, you know? And... Everything from, you know, drift jumping it like in San Francisco to, you know, I tried to do donuts around Travis because I knew, you know, growing up, I, I had friends that could do the slowest wheelies. Uh -huh. So I was like, Travis, can you do a wheelie? He's like, yeah, no problem. So he comes in and it was, it was after he crushed his ankle. Remember that? And he Which had time? years. <laughs> uh, X Games. Uh, X Games track. when he did the... It was like a flip to a uh, 360 yeah. thing, yeah, yeah. right? Landed on the ankle and broke it. 
And so he comes to do like Jim kind of five with me and he couldn't control his foot like he should have. So he, he couldn't do the real simple stand up slow wheelie for me to go around. So anyway, it, it's, it really is like we come up with all these ideas to try and in a sense do similar type tricks with the car because there's only so much I can do with the car but make really fun like creative moments in these videos yeah. that that are fun to watch you know that's that's our goal is to make fun eye candy that people enjoy to watch yeah it's neat to see when you interact with someone else doing something you know what I mean where your timing you have to be working in unison yeah. somehow like yeah. that's really impressive to me I'm anxious to see someone else do it though because uh, I've, I've watched all yours and I don't know, are you just that technically good? You're using your style of driving or you're, you know, I got to imagine everybody has their own kind of look or technique. Right. Well, so it, what's his going to be? Is he going to be, well, I don't yeah, know. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, He's going to well, backflip the car. Well, uh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't, don't, don't. It's, it's not your what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. He'd well, be like, well, they've got a kicker ramp there. You know? Well, the thing is, like, I've, I've been doing this for so long, taking the car out of racing and doing a lot of this stuff. Sebastian Loeb, Peter Solberg, all these guys can do a donut with a car. You know, but can they do it? in these certain situations I've put myself in? Probably, but they just probably don't have the experience that I do to know yeah. the setups and what we do and how we, we do all this. But like I said, I'm not the greatest driver in the world. I've just come up with creative and fun ways to use these amazing tools that we have, like this Ford Fiesta right here, and and do different and rad stuff with it. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I, do you know Caneville is? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I know Caneville from motocross, yeah. right? That's what I know from, guys. Right. I took this car right here and, and took this car around Caneville, and we made a video called Terracana. And it's basically the Gymkhana-style driving, but in Caneville. Now, that's just mixing things that I know from different industries. I know yeah. Caneville. It's actually called Swing Arm City. It's part of the... Um, What's it called? Coral something. I can't even remember off the top of my head right now. It's a national park here in Utah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, God, I can't, it's so terrible. I can't remember it right now. I'm out on this one. Yeah. <laughs> too much, too much on my, on my yeah. Coral Reef. Coral Reef National Park. Anyway, it's just part of that. And I've been down there with a couple of different people. Jim Mangan that we did a project. and But sometimes it's just the matter of converging some of these things that I know and people that I know that, that do certain art or production that we need for certain marketing companies and just put it together to have a lot of fun and make rad content. Yeah. yeah. Well, are, 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 is he coming up with the ideas? Like you say, you guys sit around and go, okay, what can we do? And you have the ideas. Are you going, Hey, here's what we want you to do. Or are you going, Hey, have fun. Uh, part of it uh, is us kind of doing our production and our look and that sort of thing and and helping Travis get the right elements in there. And the other part is Travis just being Travis. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I want to jump this or do this or whatever. And and Travis has always got wild and creative yeah. ideas. And I think that's what he's really going to bring to that is a different level of fun than what I bring. So I, I'm excited to, to see that. Um, you got a pretty long-standing relationship with Troy. Uh, he's designed or, or you guys work, you guys design the cars together, but he paints it or how does that work? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've known Troy forever and you know, like when I was at DC and I wanted a helmet painted, he just laughed at me, you know, cause he was so busy back in the day doing everybody's yeah. helmets, you know? And so I ended up getting my early helmets designed by like AP, AP designs, you know? And then eventually 
as I started racing cars, I, I went back to him and like, dude, please <laughs> paint, paint some helmets for me. So he's been painting helmets for me for about 10 years, but I've known him for a long time yeah. just because, you know, yeah. so I was in the industry with all you guys yeah. and remember drinking with him a lot. <laughs> you, got, you got any good stories uh, about drinking with him that you can tell? No, no, <laughs> no. It was mostly like industry events and yeah, stuff, yeah. you know. I remember, I remember one time drinking with him and Palmer, though. That was always entertaining. Oh, that sounded like that could be entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember much of that night. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I've always, like, Troy just is someone to me that, like, he's grown his success, and he's been a smart businessman, but at the core of it is the talent of yeah, being sure. the painter. You know what I mean? Like, I still remember, like, all of Jeremy's, cool helmets that were so innovative and so different and we're just at the cutting edge of what was cool at that time like in the early 90s when you know they had the tassels to the uh-huh. light on top and all that stuff so i i just love working with him he's such a great guy and and the last couple of years this is the second year we've actually worked together to to make a livery on my race car based around, you know, his graphics and, a, and his vision mixed with what I love from motocross. So I wanted, I wanted like his style of, of moto gear translated to my car, Yeah, you know, and that's, and we worked together on that. He would suggest some stuff and I'd take it and tweak it a bit and he'd suggest some more stuff. And it was a fun collaboration. Does that, is that the driving suit also? Does he help with that? Uh, no, because that that's just, we, we get the car done, and then the driving suit, you just take the elements and put okay. it on. Okay. But, the, but he does the helmets, though. Yeah, I saw uh, in his office one day, which my favorite thing is to watch him take a white sheet of paper with just a helmet on it, an outline of a helmet, and watch him go. Have you sat when he's done doing yeah. that, designing yeah. one? And it's like, he, he, it's just this real messy scratches. And you like, don't even know where it's going. Yeah, yeah, what are you doing? And it all comes together, and you're like, Damn! And then he takes the colored pens and finishes it up. And when it's done, you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I well, wanted. And also to have that three-dimensional view. Mm. And when I say three-dimensional, I mean I should just say multi-dimensional because you're, you have a 3D object, but then like the layers and the depth yeah. of some of the paint and some of that stuff. It's just such a cool art yeah. form to me, you know. I same. And he had the fo- the pictures I saw were your car, your helmet, and your mountain bike. Yeah. And they all matched. You yeah. got a specialized, what is that, a, a, a Epic? Or what do you got? A, uh, it's a Demo 8 downhill bike. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, they all match the same kind of look and color scheme. I'm like, damn. Yeah. And even this year, he, he painted my uh, race helmet with my downhill helmet. So they both <laughs> looked the same and matched together. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I love seeing that. Um, I, saw some, I saw you did a video with... Um, like a guy designing a fox body Mustang, like, yep, yeah, and he did it all virtually. Is that, is that the first time you? Had yeah, that's that? a guy named Ash Thorpe, and he's one of the people that we work f- with uh, to do some of the vehicle launches and vehicle design. He's designed uh, the car that I currently race, which is a '90s Ford Escort, um, and then that design, like. We've just had so much success with the Hunicorn, which is a 65 Ford Mustang, that I've always wanted to do a Fox body, which is like around the year 1990. And uh, 
Ash is just a really talented guy. He actually was hired to design the Batmobile in the movie that comes out next year. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and so, but but he he does everything. He he's very artistic and can do everything in the computer. But he also understands the the engineering of a car. You need to have the performance and right the, and the so he gets the that side of. It. There's plenty of guys out there that can just slap stuff all over the place in a computer, mm. but they really understand why all this stuff works and where it comes from is, is difficult. And Ash has a real talent for that. So I've worked with him several different times. And so are you building that Fox body? Uh, potentially, yeah. It, sometimes sometimes these, pro, these processes just take a long time. You know, to yeah. build a million-dollar one-off race car with all the spares and everything, it's it's not something you just flip a switch and go do, you know? <laughs> just knock it so, out. Yeah. Uh, and, and we've done that in the past where we wait till the release of the car and then show all the work that went into it. But this time, uh, you know, we're kind of bored sitting around during this quarantine. We're like... Hey, let's let's do this backwards. Let's show what People we've already that. done. They love that. Yeah. yeah. And so we made a whole episode on my YouTube channel about it and really kind of had fun with the whole concept of it because, like, my idea is to actually do a Gymkhana, like, 90s style in Miami, like, all white race car uh, with white logos and just the whole 90s sort of Miami look. Like a white and, dust blowing out the back? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it but, was really cool to see you guys go over that because you guys shaded the car differently and yeah. painted it differently in the computer, and yeah. it was like... It looked not different, but completely different, like a completely different car almost. Yeah, well, that, that's the fun that you can have with the computer. It's, it's like I remember earlier in my life just wanting, like, being so stoked on the car I had and then wanting a good photo of it, you know? And now they can just crank him out in the computer like yeah. it's nothing. He can adjust the lens that he's looking at it, the project from. Crazy, oh, I want yeah. a long lens from 100 feet away, or yeah. I want a fisheye, a hip-hop look from 5 feet away, you know? And then also, some what you're talking about, the shading, that sort of thing. One of the versions was a completely carbon fiber version with embedded logos into the carbon fiber. And that's just an idea that he came up with and was able to translate that idea in the computer and make it come to life. And then another one was just a like the wildest livery that he could come up with that was like a real digital, digitized looking thing. But that's that's what's available nowadays. And if you have the right people with the right contacts and the right knowledge, you can do that. And luckily, I befriended Ash a couple of years ago, and he was just stoked to work on a project of mine. So we worked together and became good friends, and he yeah. just does rad stuff. Do you, that's that's kind of your, your education is a little bit of that computer technology mm -hmm. drafting design. Do you get into that, any of that with him, or is it has it moved on? No, I, I quit actually doing that stuff in the, the late, 90s like i worked in photoshop and illustrator and all that stuff but by the time i was moving up with responsibility in the company i just couldn't do that yeah. anymore i just didn't have the time because you constantly have to be understanding the new updates and all yeah. that sort of thing and i i loved doing it i i you know, the first, the DC logo that you see there on the shoe, like an artist did the basics of that logo, and then I manipulated it to what I wanted it in Illustrator and made the final logo. Is that right? Yeah. So that's that's the extent of how I used to do things. Does it have an, a meaning, DC? Is it short for something? Uh, it actually meant Drawers Clothing, which was one of our companies at the time, okay. right? So, so much of the English language is trademarked. It's very hard to come up with new company names. Uh, okay. They have to be so original. And so with DC, I had actually made DC logos 
four drawers clothing so i knew i could make something out of that and we were struggling we were submitting all sorts of different names and they were all coming back rejected from the trademark office so we submitted dc because i knew i could make a logo out of it and it came back that we could use it wow yeah good to know that's funny yeah yeah i remember rhino and factory fill with all the drawer stuff yeah that's so funny uh so we did a little tour around here saw pretty much all the cars you've got insane stuff what's your favorite uh, you know, the, the thing is, I, as a race car driver, uh, I, I love things that help you win. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. Oh, yeah. people ask like, Oh, do you want to have an electric car? I'm like, well, will, it, will it be the fastest? You know, yeah. like, because I, I want to win, you know, like, so this Fiesta that's sitting behind you is one of my favorites because I, I won a lot of events with this car. It did we developed this chassis for a long time and had a lot of success with it. Even a, an evolved version of this, I set the fastest lap time last year at Nitro World Games in the yeah. rallycross race. I had a terrible event because I kept getting punctures, but I, I was the fastest guy on the track. Yeah. And it's just an evolution of that car sitting right there. So when it comes to racing, that chassis that I'm sitting next to right now is is one of my favorite chassis in the entire world. But my favorite car to drive... Um, just in general, fun would be my Ford Mustang Hunicorn. Yeah. And it's just it's really soft suspension. The chassis, the way everything's set up, just makes it really fun and predictable to drive. It's beautiful, too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something you look at, and it's, it's different enough, but it's just got a certain... I don't know. I'm look, I keep looking at the picture, and I'm like, it's just yeah. such a... It looks mean, and yeah. but not... To me, I don't know how to explain it. It's just got all the right things. It looks so sick when you walk up, and it looks so unique. It yeah. draws your eyes to it. Yeah, I really love that car. It was incredible to to design and then go out and test and then start driving. And, and eventually, we put twin turbos on it and run it on methanol. It's got 1,400 horsepower. And now it just feels like it wants to kill me, but I still love it. <laughs> like, that, picture, that picture, it's not far from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the one where your rear wheels were hanging on the ass end of the, the top of Pike's Peak there. Yeah, that would have gone. Didn't you say that that was a little closer than you were actually Yeah, climbing? that was the second try at that corner. The car wasn't running very well. We were having some issues with the turbos and it, it just I, I had to be on the throttle to get it to respond earlier than you would want it to be imagine going into a corner on a dirt bike but having to go wide open 50 feet back where you thought you needed to be do you okay. know what i mean that's, that's the sort of problem yeah. that i was yeah. having and so i went through there before and got on the gas too late so i didn't get the acceleration i wanted so i'm like okay i'll back in my mind uh, this other point where there i'll hit the gas and it just kicked in too early that time and so I ended up wider on the corner, more aggressive, and if if the front wheels really, the front wheels are still on the tarmac, and if they hadn't stayed on the tarmac, it would have been a bad day. Were you shitting your pants a little bit right there? Uh, it was one of those moments where it was like, you know, oh Brief shit second. moment, and then but it's it was over, and I pulled out of it, and it was. It was a very happy moment right after that because it's not it was, pretty down there. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. Pretty. yeah. That's called Evo Corner because a, a Mitsubishi Evo flew off yeah, that corner I've thinking they were on a lower corner. Oh. And so they came in too fast and that corner tightens. And as it started to tighten, they realized and started to break and turn in and the car just pushed. didn't turn. It just pushed and they went straight off. So well, it's a. Speaking of that, uh, the, the incident I wanted to, to talk to you about, you know, they, they say, like racers will say, oh, you, with age comes a cage. You know, if you're, you're tired of getting hurt on a dirt bike, get a side-by-side -side or get a car and go car racing. Maybe they are safer, but uh, 
the race I watched was in the UK in 18 somewhere. And you said something happened uh, with the tranny. It wasn't working right as you went to get on it. Something happened and you caught something on the inside, rolled. And immediately the car burst into flames. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the video doesn't show you getting out. But I mean, like from your, there's a, a, a you know, driver's perspective camera in there. And I mean, it's just like... The engine compartment's burning. Yeah. Shit your pants then? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> yeah, it was more disappointment, actually, than anything. Uh, what, that was you shit your pants? <laughs> <laughs> the car. <laughs> the, the car. Um, that was a 90s Ford Escort RS Cosworth. And those cars... The, the early 90s, the cars were just... The technology was coming along, electric uh, diffs and that sort of thing. And... They were progressing quite fast, but they were unreliable. And I really liked that generation of car, so I bought this one. We used it in Gymkhana 10, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go race some events with this. I want to drive this classic car in national events and see how I do, see if I can get on the podium with this 90s car. And uh, every time I drove that car, something broke on it. <laughs> and even in that event, right before I started those stages, the electronic diffs just weren't working. We had to keep resetting them. And, and the gearbox was messing up. It, it kept misshifting. And uh, we, had, we had two stages to go to get back to service. So I did pretty good on the first stage. And I was second or third overall in this, in this national race. And so we were coming back out. We were a half mile from the end of this stage. A half mile more to go. And then we'd be transiting back to service. And they would fix these problems. We'll hopefully fix them. So this is one of the last mm. corners I'm going through. And... It's all about wheel speed when you're sliding on gravel. And I wanted to be in third gear with high revs to make the car go slide wide, high wheel speed, slide wide around this. It's like I know the car, I know the corner by heart. It's one of my favorite corners in this race. So I downshifted to third and it hesitated. So therefore the wheels are slowing down. So instead of sliding wide going around this corner, all of a sudden the cars on the inside of the corner and on the inside of this corner are some rocks so i clip one of those rocks and, and the sad thing is right when i hit the rocks it actually <laughs> shifted <laughs> you know? so so i hit these rocks and we roll and and rolls and rally aren't that big of a deal you you know you, you mess up the car a bit cosmetically maybe break the windshield yeah, you land on the wheels yeah, you can yeah. keep going you know the and, crash wasn't yeah, super spectacular. No, and a lot of times there's actually a bunch of spectators there too. So even if the car was stuck or something, spectators run over and push yeah, you back on the stage, yeah. and you go right. So I wasn't that worried about it. I was like, ah, oh, crap! I think I actually downshifted in the middle of the roll, like ready to go, and we landed on our wheels. I'm like, great. And then I look up, and what happens with this, these older cars is there was a fuel rail on top of the engine, and those fuel rails would break and so it would basically be spitting gas all over the top into the hot yeah. engine bay and it would get on the turbo and basically just start a fire so there's a few, there's a fire suppression system in the car but it's not made to fight fuel being yeah pumped onto, a, it, yeah. onto a, a fire you know so it started and started really fast alex grabbed the fire extinguisher alex is my co-driver we both panic get out of the car um and we, I think, uh, which, which, how, how hard? I mean, you're, you're buckled in pretty good. Yeah. How quickly are you guys able to quickly get out? Because yeah, quick the video enough. shows you yeah, kind of yeah. for the steering wheel. Yeah, and, quick enough. I take the steering wheel well, off, and I'm things. getting out of my belt, and my my the cord that's actually connected to my helmet for the intercom was stuck on some. So I'm trying to get it off, and Alex is like, "Hurry up, get out!" You know, and I'm trying, and it didn't take us long to get out. But you know, by the time we get out, the flames are going pretty good. Yeah. So we get out, and there's spectators at this. 
you know, place. There's marshals. There's actually a couple buses. So I think we found four fire extinguishers. But the hood's closed, and fuel is pouring out onto the engine. So it was a lost cause. We emptied four fire extinguishers, used the fire suppression system, and it just never went out. That car burned to the ground. Yeah. So it sucked. The Kazi's one of my favorite uh, rally cars of all time. And I was now watching this expensive car burn to the ground while I stood there. Nothing I could do. Um, but I, I love the car, so we we bought another one of those cars. <laughs> They're not that rare. There was a lot of them made in the 90s. We bought another one and just said, hey, look, I, I, I love racing this car. I like the, the 90s engine, but I don't like the 90s gearbox. I don't like the 90s diffs. We need to make it safer. The electronics was terrible, too, so we... We updated that car, made it a little bit wider so it would handle a little better. So it still has the fuel and the flare and everything of this 90s car, but it's now a modern, reliable race car. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. What's the most sorry, sorry for the long story. No, no, no. I, I watched <laughs> the video, so it's interesting. If, I, I didn't see that one, but I remember you mentioned on the way up, yeah. I mean, that would scare the hell out of me when you're, you're, you're strapped into this thing so yeah. tight. And, I mean, like you said, that fire... It didn't slowly build. It was like yeah. the whole engine compartment's going. Yeah. yeah, you know the thing is, like as a race car driver, you, things happen. You know, like same thing on a dirt bike. You always there's, there's going to be mechanical problems. Yeah. There's going to be errors. There's going to be have times where well, you like snapped his bike in half because oh. he oh, couldn't yeah. clear the triple. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah. Hard yeah. to clear the triple with the skirt of your piston, bro. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's always these moments that are going to happen, and yeah. I've 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 made mistakes. I've uh, had some crappy mechanical stuff happen, but that that's one where there's actually kind of an interesting story behind it. So yeah. I like actually yeah. telling that story because it, it's actually something that they knew. They had, There were several of those cars that burned to the ground in the 90s because of this exact same, same problem. Yeah. Is there other moments, like what was the sketchiest moment you've ever had in a car where you thought you might die, whether it's a moment like that or... Yeah, I mean that—that's one of the the best moments of my life because it was one of the sketchiest. And what we're talking about is uh, Evo Corner that on on Pikes Peak that I shot for Climb Kana. I'll show a picture of it. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll drop okay. a photo in. Uh, but there's there's you know there's there's always crashes when you're pushing in the moment of you know trying to be as quick as you possibly can, and and unfortunately. You know, one of the sayings is, and it applies to dirt bikes too, it's like if you're not scared, you're not going fast yeah. enough, you know, and you've got to find those limits, sure. you know, and especially when you're learning and you're trying to develop the skills or you're racing for a championship. One of my biggest crashes in my career was the last race of a national championship here in America. I had a great competitor named David Higgins I was racing against, and we were battling for every tenth of a second. You know, it was the last day of the, the event, the last day of the championship, and I... I had written a note for a particular corner that didn't caution me enough. There was a little drop on the outside, and I went through this corner flat out, and rear wheel dropped off and fell into a little hole, and we just tumbled down the stage six times and parts flying everywhere. And it was really scary. And my wife was in the race, too, racing behind us. You know, and I'm, 
I survived, and I frantically tried to call her because I didn't want to come through her to drive see through. See your car all. Th- yeah, 30 cars behind me, though, 30 minutes later, and see this, like, yeah. carnage of this. Because, I mean, we rolled probably 80 miles an hour and probably rolled six or seven <laughs> times down the stage. Like, I've seen one of Travis on a gravel road where it's we just... We went down the embankment. I mean, he is just... Yeah. Yeah, the wheel simil- flies off. Yeah, is it similar to that? Like, he's screaming at the end. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, uh, awesome. Typical Travis. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, similar crash to that. That one a oh, little no, it was more a hell of a ride. Dra- yeah. That was a little more dramatic, but mine was very, very similar. Have you had, in, in something like that, I've often wanted to ask people because, you know, you hear about people saying, you know, roles can be different. Like, some can really be violent when it, like, digs, like, metal. Yeah. Have you had it to a point where it's rattled your brain or given you vision issues? Because I've seen guys come out and they've burst blood vessels or... Yeah. Had issues from violent, especially in off-road truck racing. You know, the yeah. short course yeah. when those guys would touch. I've seen a few guys come out and they couldn't drive because they had. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I, eyes. I've been lucky. I, I've had some pretty bad crashes. <coughs> not not too many of them, but none of them. The worst I've ever gotten hurt is uh, spraining my ankle. Basically, I was snowboarding the following weekend. So, uh, pretty lucky in that way. So there there are some terrible crashes. Rally is a Terrible sport sometimes for that because we're racing in forests. There's trees. Well, when it goes wrong, there's, there's no runoff. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the times, yeah. you guys, even when you're doing it, when you're doing it perfectly, it almost means clip your bumper on the inside of that tree stump and let the ass in, clip the tree on the way. I mean, that's yeah. perfectly hitting it, but you got no room for error. Yeah. Well, there was a race. I want to say it was in Switzerland. You can see the Matterhorn in in a part yeah, of it. Yeah. And there's a big jump on yeah, the course. Yeah. And I mean, you're sending this jump. It's a badass segment. But then there's a section. The road is like, I mean, if it's wide enough for two cars, it's just barely. Mm. And it's zigzagging like this. It's a sheer drop off this side. It's lined with rocks on this side, trees on this side. And you guys are hauling ass. Yeah, yeah that, that's actually called Rally du Valet, which is in Switzerland. And the Matterhorn is visible at one part from one of the roads. And, you know, it, to be able, for me to be able to go race in the Alps, like that's one of the coolest things in the world. Say, you yeah, know, like it's sick. just, it just doesn't get much cooler than that. So, yeah, I hope to actually go back potentially to that race this year. Oh, really? Yeah. I, s- I saw Mike Ryan go off at Pikes Peak in his that yeah. freight line. Yeah, 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 I mean, it just, cl- it, it's all pine trees and it just whacked the pine <laughs> yeah. trees right off. Like and a weed tr- whack almost. Oh, yeah, yeah. dude. It yeah, was yeah. like, and it's a freight, so he has, it's like X. What do you call it? Exhibi- exhibition class, mm-hmm. and it's a freightliner. A diesel, a uh, semi. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, he runs ahead. it up there pretty quick. He's a stunt guy, and <laughs> okay. and so, but dude, he went off that, and it just it just mows it like these plowing. trees down. Yeah. But well, back to back to the crashes though. The FIA, which is the major sanctioning body for racing in the world, they're very good about adjusting the the safety rules and and continuing to make the cars safer and safer. Um, and along with the helmets, the Hans devices. You guys oh. do wear Hans devices? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so important, so important for rally because yeah. there's potential of these side impacts or front impacts into trees. You yeah. know, like, I was going to say, I've seen so, some of those side impacts and it's just, bam, you yeah. see the head snap and they're yeah. so hard. But there are just freak accidents. There's guys that have died. There's even Robert Kubica, who's the F1 driver. that yeah, He hit a one. he hit a guardrail in Italy 
uh, on like a national event and in a rally car. Under, huh? So no, what happened was he hit the guardrail, and as he was hitting it, the guardrail separated, so the separated oh. like this. So this oh, part of the guardrail through. came through the engine and yeah. through the car, saw him hit, in half, and hit his arm basically, and uh, basically disconnected his forearm and arm. So he lost his F1 racing career because of this accident, which was a completely freak accident. Yeah. Wow. But he was incredibly fast in a rally car. It is his skills from the F1 car. He's one of the best ever that's come from circuit type racing over to rally and, and done really well at it. What what you know you said you mentioned that race in Switzerland that was cool. Where are the best fans for rally? Like what what's the coolest race you've ever done? Is it like Moto where the Euro fans are just nuts, you know? Yeah it, it's a lot of motorsports uh, you know all around the world, there's great fans here in the States. Uh, the British fans are some of the most polite fans in the world, yeah. the knowledgeable fans. Then you go somewhere like Argentina where they do the WRC event down there, and they used to have a, a million people on the stages over three days. And standing and, on the roads. Yeah, say. yeah. Portugal, it was really big. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's such a dramatic difference between like the fans in Finland, Finland that are very reserved except for when they're drinking out on the stages, you know. Well, oh, I, I am stunned block. to see that they'll line the courses. Yeah. And they'll be in the spots where like, we shouldn't be there, like out, outside of a curve or something. Yeah, the, the national events, it's a really big issue. But the FIA for like the world events, they're, it, pretty good, it, they're, right? they're very strict about it, you know. There's a lot of video and a lot of clips of San Marino, that event. Yeah, uh, yeah, rally legend. That looks wild. I mean, yeah, that's probably the wildest rally in the world right now. Because San Marino is a, a small little country inside in Italy. Italy, so they have their own rules, and they're just a bit more wild. It's, really. it's a cool spot, though. The castle is on the top, yeah, and that. Yeah, yeah. yeah do they still have the Monaco rally, or is that gone? Uh, they do. Yeah. yeah. So that's called that? yeah, Rally Monte Carlo. Uh, it's definitely one of the most challenging events in the world. I just never got a chance to do it. I just was thinking, you know, like Monaco and the the glitz and glamour. I didn't know if there was something on your bucket list. Yeah, I mean, as far as the glitz and glamour, the service parks and, and sort of start are down there, but everything else is up. Is in some of the, on that, Some yeah. of the toughest, toughest stages in the world up in the mountain because you'll start on dry tarmac at the bottom and be going through ice and snow in these passes and stuff so the the actual tire selection for that event is unlike any other event in the world wow that's nuts um how so how much motor you, you mentioned you haven't been riding much but you want to get back into it you bought some new property no nah, yeah i bought some new property i have a son that's nine year old uh, nine years old he likes to ride my two daughters like to ride um but I just as I as the race career started getting on, I just sold my dirt bike. I I, I went from riding three days away a week at like Elsinore and Glen Helen and Paula, you know, to nothing. Yeah. yeah. And I really miss it. Like man, those those days of going out on like a Tuesday and riding Elsinore with hardly anyone there. Yeah. That was so much fun. And meeting up with someone like Rhino or yeah. MC and going and doing that. It was. A great time, and I, I really, really genuinely miss that. So hopefully I'll build a track here soon and, and be well, able to ride. Maybe it's even uh, time for a dual sport. Like yeah. off-road bike. You know, if you've got the land and all this open area around you, i got to imagine having a dual sport bike or just an enduro bike, it's just, there's got to be so much fun stuff to do around. Yeah, I think I would enjoy that. Um, I, I get out actually a lot in my Can-Am to do that mm -hmm. sort of stuff. But what I really miss though is tracks. I just, yeah. I just love that feeling of nailing a turn or yeah. a double, 
and landing on throttle yeah. and like that. There's just nothing like that. There really isn't. Well, and, and mastering something too. Like today we were at that flying iron horse ranch yep. this morning and I was super out of my element in the morning. It was a little muddy. The jumps are all blind. They're pretty big. Some of them, you know, and I was once it was sketchy at first, but then once I started getting the timing tracks coming in and, and you're like, oh, you're hitting cool. these doubles just right. And railing these sand turns and I'm 45. I haven't raced in good grief. 20 some years but that is still like such a rush you know and you get it right yep. like hitting a, i suppose like hitting a good golf yeah. swing you know yeah all of those shanks off into the bushes are all made up for with just one good drive or something i i i mean i'm not a golfer so i can't really compare but there <laughs> there aren't very many things that compare to me to like having a, a good lap on a, especially on a new track when you go out and you're like yeah get the right speed on a double or a triple or yeah, nail a corner. Together. Yeah. Like when you pull, they're just, you come off the track, like exhausted. You're like, damn, that was good. Yeah. You know, like, that's what, well, that's that was all totally I had. Yeah, yeah. That's all I had as well. Yeah. You know, like I, I miss that feeling. I, snowmobiling a little bit does that for me. Obviously racing, especially like a good, uh, rally cross track. There's this track in Sweden called Holius that has jumps and turns over crests and stuff like that, that, that you can nail the perfect lap and you get Set that up. feeling coming yeah. off, you know, but I, I really just miss that on, on the dirt bike. Yeah. Do you think you could make some kind of, I shifted gears. Do you think you could make <laughs> some kind of like rally cross for UTVs where it's like a little bit of a rally? Uh, they do that. They had, there's actually several rallies in the States that let them run UTVs. I don't know if I'd want to crash at that sort of speed with a cage right there and that's nothing yeah, else. Metal, yeah. um, but they also do the UTVs on like the Lucas off-road courses. They have a good championship with that stuff too. I think that would probably be the closest thing that I'd want to do with those things because they, they do have a lot of potential. I'd I'd like to see more of like a... Not like a super cross track, but almost like a good outdoor national track, but made for UTVs. Yeah, yeah. That would be really With like fun. Inside outside lines and multiple booms. Yeah, and jumps where you could time things too, like a double double and yeah. stuff like that. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, but if you mistimed it, you'd definitely go over the well, bars. It would hurt. Yeah, <laughs> the impact would hurt. Thanks for taking us down that left turn there. Uh, <laughs> uh, how how close are you following the sport still? Uh, you know what? I actually thought about that earlier today, and I'm like, crap! I haven't like bench raced about supercross and motocross in a long time and you know i've been good friends with davy davy coombs for so long and i when i really followed the sport it was always so fun to sit with him and talk about what's really going on yeah. in the sport and hear all that inside talk you know and i just haven't anymore i i still know obviously like ricky and 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 Roxon and Chad and it's great to see those. I think those guys have been in town now for what yeah. two weeks. Yeah. So it's been cool to see them. They've come out the ranch, or an axes. I've ridden bikes with Ricky, bicycles, mountain yeah. bikes. Yeah. Um, but man, it, it I still enjoy watching the racing when I can. It's still it's I turn it on and still love it the same way that I did before. And it's great to see. Great to see Eli doing what he's doing right now, and it was fun to watch the the young kids last weekend and that yeah. Aussie sixteen year old get on the podium. So Jet, Jet's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, actually, apparently might go bike riding with him tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, with Johnny. Oh, all right. Yeah, so that sort of stuff having all those guys right now in town is just really cool. Yeah, yeah, it is super. It fun. Doesn't happen that often. No, it doesn't. I you know randomly you know when the Supercross you know is here once a year everybody come in town. 
and guys like Kenny would come up and stay maybe a little bit longer and go ride and stuff. But, you know, it's, it's, it's cool because going back to Southern California, it's the hustle and bustle and see, I get to see MC and see everybody, but it's still, it's SoCal. Everything's going on here though. It's so rad that, Hey, let's go, let's go hang out for dinner. Yeah. Let's go, yeah. let's go ride bikes. Yeah. Let's go do, let's go to the lake. You different know? pace. It's, yeah. It's such a different pace. Do you hate going back to Cali now? Like, are you just like, ah, um, I'd love seeing all of our friends, industry people interacting with everybody from like, you know, from monster to Troy Lee, uh, but man, I don't miss the traffic. I moved here because I wanted to get away from all that. I yeah. grew up in Southern California, but you know, I've lived here now 10 years full time and I have friends that are like, when are you moving back? And I just laugh like yeah. there's no way I could move back. Is I, that right? I, yeah. I just, I, I love being in the outdoors. I love, you know, from the great snow that we get here to being able to run down to Moab and, and ride my mountain bike or rip around the Can-Am. Like there's yeah. so much potential, potential here and there's still, it's, there's still a great crew of people. Like uh, most of my friends, you know, in Southern California are industry people, yeah. you know, and like industry friends, but here you still have like a very similar thing. There's so many pros here from different industries yeah. from, you know, gold medals like Sage Kotzenberg to, you know, all the guys that run Woodward, mm. you know, so it, it's such a great variety of, of industry and, and people. Is that what brought you here? I mean, it seems like you lived in Colorado. Maybe that would have made more sense. Like what brought you to Park City? Uh, I started coming here in the late 90s because it was such an easy flight from San Diego. Okay. And the snow was so good and we were making snowboard boots with DC and, mm. and there was such a rad crew that used to ride at Snowbird, guys like Andy Hetzel to MCA from the Beastie Boys. Yeah. That like Snowbird was such a, a cool scene in the in the late nineties. And so I just fell in love with it and then started coming to Park City, fell in love with it. So then we built the house that became the Mountain Lab. That was my personal house that we used for DC for Oh, the, is that right? For the DC Mountain Lab. Yeah. And just my wife and I just loved it so much we decided to move here full time when our kids started getting to school age you had to plant some roots somewhere yeah. Right? yeah yeah and it just made sense to do it here for us instead of um southern california yeah. okay so i grew up in montana we do ski trip every year to big sky yeah love big sky and every year i i'm the <laughs> I go up the powder mountain ridge there powder ridge and i look down and there's the yellowstone club and i'm yeah. always like God, I wonder what it's like over there. <laughs> it's a private ski community. Oh, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it's a fairly large membership fee. Very exclusive. Yeah. And I, if I understand right, you have a place in there. I don't. Oh, you don't? No. I just know very nice people that invite me up <laughs> to hang out. Okay, so what the hell is that place like? This, uh, is like? this is like going, if you're a skier, it's like going to the Playboy bit. Mansion or something. That, yeah. That's how I imagine it. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's guys like Nick Woodman, the founder of GoPro, that has an incredible house there. And, uh, an old friend of ours here that actually had the DC outlet stores, a guy named John Thompson, that's their head sales guy up there. And so it's just, it, it's an incredible place that I'm lucky enough to have some friends with that get to go there and okay. play. So yeah, it's a private, private um, ski resort and development. So if you just picture a housing development with a golf course, now just add in a mountain. Uh, that's so private. So you're skiing past people's homes. Yeah, yeah, and it's and sometimes you're out on the mountain. There's only ten people on the whole mountain. 
Yeah, there, it's, <laughs> I've never seen it crowded. You'll just yeah. see like one person here, yeah. one person over here. Yeah. Is it good skiing? Uh, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. No, I, they, they, they have great terrain. So. <laughs> and if you get bored of it, it, it actually connects with Big Sky. Yeah. You can go over and ride Big Sky. Yeah. So I'm very, very grateful that like through all this world of everything I've done with DC and my race career that I have great friends, you know, yeah. people like Nick Woodman that, uh, you know, invite us up, me and my kids, and we go to experience these places, yeah. you know? So it's been very cool. Sometimes the one thing better than having like a nice boat or an airplane is having friend. a friend or family. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. A yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, well, you know, that that's the thing. I, I, I've been lucky. You talked about sort of this marketing thing that I've been able to do. A lot of that, that too, is connections and working with great people. And what you set the, once you set the standard of what you do, people come to you. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, Ricky wouldn't want to have been part of our team if he didn't know that we already did rad stuff. Right. And then when we partnered with Ricky and then started making the ads that we made for him and the shoes and all that sort of stuff, he got more and more engaged. And yeah. in today's still a good friend because there was such a great partnership of us working together. And so yeah. I've been able to do that, you know, my entire life and lucky to have that bar set so high that people just want to come and work with me. And so that worked so well for us at DC. I had an incredible business career at DC. And then I was able to take all that and go into car racing and take all those relationships and the, the, that, that bar that we set of marketing and just apply that and do that in, in the car racing. So, man, I, I, I say it, I say it often that I'm a lucky bastard, but I really am. Like I've had this incredible business career and I've had, now I've had this incredible racing career and I do it with some of the greatest people on earth. Yeah. So something I'm very appreciative of. Well, you've definitely earned it, man. I mean, like I said, the marketing stuff, I'm just like, ah, I mean, there's no way you're just forest gumping your way into this stuff. You, it's clearly like very uh, specific and purposeful. So yeah, well, I, I have this this mind that doesn't turn off on that stuff. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, and the fact that like Troy is a friend, and I say, call him up, Troy. I have this idea. What do you think? And we're able to combine our yeah. talents together to make rad stuff. Yeah. But you gotta you gotta live it, and you have to love it. Absolutely. And, and that's where you see a lot of successful people that they have this thought and then they can't turn it off. Like my wife will get mad at me sometimes. We'll be staring off in the middle of nowhere. She's like, you're not thinking about what we're doing right now. You're thinking about something. Like, yeah, sorry. You know, like it happens. I think yeah. we can all relate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what's next for you? What's the bucket list stuff you got that you still want to check off? Uh, well, I, for me, it's... I, I, I'm very lucky. I I still get to go out and race cars and enjoy that. Uh, but the the sort of the next thing for me is actually watching my kids go do this. Mm -hmm. uh, my oldest is 13 and my youngest is nine, and they they both are very talented with whatever we give them. Um, Girl, boy. Uh, yeah, the oldest is Leah. She's 13. Okay. Um, I recently taught her how to slide that car that Ford Escort yeah. around. That was a cool you, you video. Sure. I, I, yeah. That was a cool yeah. video, yeah. Yeah, so I taught her to drive a stick the weekend before. Sweet. Like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, taught her little bits of it. Monday morning, I took her down the track and taught her how to drift this what car. What are you teaching her to drive a stick in? How does she, what does she reach the pedals in? Uh, well, she's five, 
three, five, four now. Oh, She's okay. actually taller than my wife. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she was, I, I taught her how to do it in a Ford Focus RS just out at our ranch. And then uh, Monday morning, we took her down the track and did that. So she's got good talent, everything she gets in. She can match my times in go-karting. Um, she's right. driven, you know, off-road stuff. Probably the next step for her is to get in a rally car or, like, an off-road truck or race, like, the Can-Ams and the Lucas Oil Series. We're still trying to figure that out. This year, she's just getting uh, more instruction on race technique yeah. uh, by karting. Okay. So that's kind of the most convenient thing for us this year with everything that's happening with the virus. Yeah. So we had the first race uh, two weekends ago for her and Micah, who's our nine-year-old, and they both have done hardly any of it and were as quick as the kids that have been doing it for a while. So which is for me, it's actually the success of seeing my kids be happy yeah. doing something yeah. like that yeah. and then trying to transfer – all, all this knowledge that I have into them, you know, yeah, yeah. because we have this unique opportunity that, you know, I've been able to do all this stuff and they enjoy it. And That's I, I want to take them and, you know, like a moto dad, like, okay, yeah, let's yeah, yeah. start you small. Let's yeah. get you going and see where it goes. And it's weird. We've already had some offers for Leah to go do some crazy stuff, but I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's pump the brakes. Like okay. you've got to, you got to get there with the right. A steps. lot of times uh, kids don't want to listen to their parents instruction how, how do you kind of deal with that uh they They're actually probably not there they, yet yeah <laughs> they actually do listen to me my and actually my my daughter actually listens better than my son but i think that's an age thing at nine year old you're still like squirrel you know <laughs> like but they, they they both listen i think it's the fact of their dad does something that they've seen the accomplishments of yeah. so they kind of have to take what i say uh as not rule but they there's credibility there, yeah. I guess. They know you, you're right. a dad and a good coach. Yeah, but I do mix in other people, though. I do have whoever I can come in because cause I think different perspectives are really important. Do you have anybody that asks you to coach them on other techniques? I, I have, but it's I don't have the time. Like That's where nowadays I'm still doing a lot of what I'm doing, but all my other spare time goes to my kids. That's a bummer. That's, that's we were time. hoping that you could show Ping how to drive a stick shift. It's been a while, but I maybe, can next time, maybe next time. Uh, Would you send him like a dirt fish or something like that? Or no, you, you can, you feel like you can help. Uh, them no, I, 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 they will definitely go to rally schools. Yeah. I, I, my thing is, I, I think you learn things from everywhere. Mm -hmm. Everybody, every teacher, like, you could go out and teach my, my kid on a dirt bike something that maybe somebody else wouldn't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he yep. might have something. Right, and, and Ping, would, Ping would see something else. Oh, yeah, yeah, put your, go right on more on the ball of your foot. You know, whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, so I think that, I think that all of those experiences, and that, I don't know if I said it earlier, that, like, every time I get in the car, I try and learn something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that that attitude works for anything and everything like as long as you think of yourself as a student every yeah. time you go out so i i love taking my experiences from dirt bikes um you know from rally cars from some circuit racing that i've done i've even gone to an f1 coach like this really sort of obscure guy that everyone's gone to kimmy's gone to him everyone has but his techniques and the way that he teaches it's totally different from everybody else but i went to him just if i could get one little thing yeah. and save me a quarter second per mile in, yeah. in rally racing then it's worth it you know and what's that saying a, a, a fool a wise man can learn from even a fool but a fool can learn from no one yeah right so you can catch 
everybody, you know, if you, you pay attention, you can yeah. pick up a little thing from anybody. Yeah, I like I like the term student of the sport. Yeah. Like I, I I will always be a student. There's no way you will ever know everything. Yeah. Unless you Davy Coombs and remember <laughs> every yeah. possible stat somehow about motocross. He's got the stats down, yeah. that's for but, sure. But I, I just feel like you can always learn something. Yeah. There's always a conversation or you could hear like Oh, like Rhino used to do this, or Jeremy. You know, I remember like hearing that Ricky used to like in Vegas, like the final race. He's in the gym the next morning. You know, it's it's picking up on every little bit of info. And it may not, it, everything may not work for you, yeah. but even being able to try certain things and oh, that does work if I do yeah. it this way. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, you've been able to very fortunate to be able to go a lot of places, do a lot of things. If you had a dream vacation for you and your family, where would you guys go? That was a random one, Ping. Here's a guy who can go anywhere he wants to go. Where would you go? And which streets would you shut down? <laughs> no, kidding. <laughs> uh, well, I'm pretty lucky. I've, I've been able to go a lot of places around the world. I really enjoy Norway. You know, I, I love Lake Powell. I, I love oh, yeah. New Zealand. Like, if I was going to go mm. somewhere to race some of the best roads in the world and vacation, it would be New Zealand. New Zealand's hands. amazing. New Zealand, hounds down. Queenstown is actually very much like Park City here, but on a lake. And then their race roads up north um, are just some of the funnest roads to race on in didn't the you, world. Didn't you win the, the rally in New Zealand? Uh, I've, I've won a couple of the national events yeah. and podiumed on the national events. I, didn't, I never did all that great in the WRC event yeah. there, but I was actually going to go back and do it this year in the second tier class. It's called R5. Um, but they've had to shut it down for this year. Yeah, you can't get in there. Yeah, they're, they've just had a very good success with the, what they've done with the, the quarantining and virus and everything, and they, they don't want to let yeah, everyone yeah. back in. Yeah. They just shut the airport yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so, for not coming. <laughs> so, yeah, I, so, you know, we're adjusting some of my schedule. To, <laughs> Have you to, noticed I said, hey, where would you go on vacation? And he starts talking about the places with the best tracks to race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, my, my, my first two were actually Norway and Lake Powell, oh, okay, okay. which aren't necessarily race <laughs> locations then i mixed in the one where i could do both you know so but i also love the mediterranean just places like spain and ibiza yeah. some of the best food in the world mixed with one of the nicest cultures in the world being on the beach with all sorts of people from all over the world yeah. it's just very cool my kids love that love that place too so that's a fun one if you had to break your success with dc and, and now hoonigan down to just like one simple thing, what's the key to your success? Uh, I'd say loving what you're doing. Mm. Like I, I eat, sleep, drink the what I'm doing from the sports to the actual work, you yeah. know. And I and I, you know that that stupid saying. It's like if you love what you're doing, you don't work a day in your life. It it's I, I can't say that I love every day. There there is a lot of crap that you deal with, and you know I've been. Well, it's through, never easy to build something of that magnitude no and you can't make everybody in the road you can't make everybody happy no. and you know you have highs of of great success and then you have lows of you know employees trying to sue you for something dumb or you know there was a oh, point yeah. where what we used to be a dog friendly office and my dog scared one of our employees uh, you know this is dc days and we ended up having to 
tell everyone they couldn't take their dogs to work, and that was really sad. Like, oh. I, I loved bringing my dogs to work, I, but yeah, I love. I, I, re- I, re- I realize that's a really random example, but that just shows. Like when you have a company that's 250 people, there's a lot of personality that goes into things. And what you think would be easy sometimes becomes very difficult. It is what it is. But there's a lot of highs and lows to business. But the more that you love it, that you put your head down and think a 12-hour day is nothing because I'm doing what I love to do and we're we're being successful. That's a great feeling. Mm, That's it. All right, last question, man. How do you want to be remembered in the action sports, motorsports world? Wow, uh, I've been a asked that a couple times. Yeah, it's a tough question. <laughs> we we, I, we get that with everyone. They go, wow, I didn't yeah. think about this. I you know I I think the simplest thing is like for me, there's so many sports out there in the world. There's so many things that I love to do. Uh, at the end of the day, though, like inspiring people to be creative and push themselves is what I really mm-hmm. enjoy. Because not like everybody it. can win. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. but going out and doing what you love to do and enjoying it. And doing it in fun and creative ways. And, and that, that can mean anything from the graphics that you buy from one industries or whatever to put on your bike to, you know, like climbing some crazy thing in Moab or being able to, like, at one time, I just wanted to go race on Washougal. Ended up hating it because I thought it looked more smooth. I was say, <laughs> it looks great on the yeah, outside. Yeah. Then you ride it, you realize it's slick and all over the place. Yeah, yeah. It looked way better on TV than it did in real life. But, you know, it's, it's, it's going out and experiencing those things. And I would I'd never give that up. And that's, that's what I think. I, I, at the end of the day, if... If I can inspire people to go out and, and love these sports the way that I do and do it in fun and creative ways, that's that's what I would want. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to try to take some of that with us uh, and maybe hope some of your marketing magic rubs off on us. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for having awesome. us Awesome. Thank man. you, guys. Absolute pleasure. Appreciate, Appreciate you. It, bud. That's Appreciate Ken Block. Uh, check him out at what's, – what's your YouTube channel? Uh, I mean, if you just search my just name, search. it's just Ken Block YouTube channel. Okay. And then the brand is Hoonigan. That's where – most all of our content uh, is housed also, and then social channels is just search my name or kblock43. That's it. Awesome. That's Ken Block. Thank you guys for watching. Stay tuned. We'll be back to wrap it up. At Nihilo Concepts, we have a passion for innovation and for motocross. Our mission is to develop parts that will improve the durability, functionality, and the appearance of your motorcycle. We're proud to say that everything from Nihilo is made in the USA in our state-of-the-art manufacturing facility in Stewart, Florida. Whether you race every weekend or you just ride for fun, Nihilo offers high-quality, innovative parts that you just won't find anywhere else. Nihilo offers custom engraved engine covers, one-piece titanium foot picks, brake tips, internal engine components, specialty tools, frame grip tape, carbon fiber components, and so much more. Check out our website, nihiloconcepts.com, and see for yourself why teams like Red Bull KTM, Rockstar Husqvarna, Troy Lee Designs, and some of the fastest riders in the world choose Nihilo Concepts. Nihiloconcepts.com.
All right, welcome back. That was Ken Block. Amazing story, amazing shop. Uh, go over to our Instagram page if you want to see a tour of this place. Uh, it's it's unreal. Um, unique. I think it's, it's a great the way most to unique it. office space I've ever seen. <laughs> slash race shop. It's cool. Uh, pretty trick. So um, uh, big thanks to Ken for having us out. Uh, pretty exclusive place. Not a lot of people get in here, so yeah. um, we appreciate it. We're going to end the show quickly because we got to get out of here, but uh, uh, thanks for watching. We've got another cool show coming up soon, and uh, Gio, take us out, buddy. All right. Thanks, everyone, and uh, one quick uh, thank you to our sponsors that made this possible, Yamaha. Uh, they do everything, and now in California, you can get side-by-sides. Great news there. So also uh, to PowerDot, they've been with us from the beginning. Great company, great product. Check them out and remember 20% off a checkout using the code Whiskey Throttle. Method Race Wheels, also 20% off, which is actually a huge saving on those. Uh, just got some new ones on my truck and I promise you they are as good as people hype them up to be. Troy Lee Designs, they make cool stuff from mild to wild to entry level to high end. They've got something that fits you. Uh, SKDA, I just got new graphics on my new bike and it looks insane. I know I'm a little bit biased. They designed it, not me, so I'm not taking their credit. But it, they, I think they knocked it out of the park. Really cool. In fact, they're going to use that as a, a graphic on their website. Is that right? So I think it's going to yeah. be a, a Langston graphic. I don't know what they're going to call it, but I think that's the case. So anyway, buy it. You'll look good. Uh, Dunlop. Just nothing competes with Dunlop. They've won more championships than anyone in this country, and they continue to dominate. And if you don't believe me, go watch a motocross or supercross race and figure out what they're using for tires. Try that uh, MX-53 front with the MX-33 rear. Will not be disappointed. Yep, you get as much traction with your Dunlops as you do with your Adidas shoes. So put some traction under your feet and don't eat shit going down the backside of a jump. Like people that wore other stuff. <laughs> uh, Pro Circuit, they make pipes, they make all kinds of cool stuff. In fact, you see the uh, bar raises for the 110s, mm. the different mounts. They're getting more into that. We were hanging out with Mitch and he was talking like, hey, this is the new thing. So keep an eye out. They're always got new stuff coming out, um, a new product. And um, also their deals of the week. Pretty cool. Yeah, follow them on Instagram to get those smoke and smoking deals. Well, what's cool is with a lot of people bringing older bikes out of the, the garage or the barn, they need these products that seem a little bit yeah. old, but they like, oh, a sweet deal for a new pipe or a clamp. So check it out there. Nahila Concepts, they're always making new, fresh stuff. So check them out and then use Whiskey Throttle at checkout and get a free gift. Seat Concepts, I'll tell you what, man. You don't want to be a dick to your ass either. They are really good and comfortable. <laughs> Check them out. They have, a, they have a lot of options from smooth to the nice. If you want grippy, rippy ones to tear apart your butt, grab those. They've got semi-grip, massive grip, wide, comfortable, lower, raised. they got everything. they got you covered. Fire Department Coffee, just the best, I'm telling you. Um, they got 20% off, and of course, as Ping always mentions, they donate 10% of their proceeds to injured firefighters and their families and that, which I think is a really cool cause. Specialized, the best of the best. You heard Ken Block even telling us that is the best stuff. 
get yourself a good bike, get specialized. Ogeo, you got to carry your stuff around and something cool. These things never break. In fact, I wish I had my gear bag here. I've had it from when I rode for Factory Yamaha. So it's an 07 gear bag that I still use. It's just sentimental now. And it still matches the colors I like to carry around. So anyway, we're all happy over there. Paleo Ranch Foods, they make great stuff. Check them out. They actually are in Walmart. So you can go walk in, try it out for yourself. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. And Langston Motorsports, come check us out. Uh, the power sports industry is on fire. And uh, we've been crushing it. So thanks to everyone that's been supporting the sport and that supports the show. That's it. Boom. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you next week.